Your move, creep. Mission back, Freezer. You both in Coco. Dino DNA. Son, your ego is writing checks your body can't cash. It's the only thing I know how to do. It's a good looking boy. I'm a member of the Imperial Senate. That's night more! Welcome to Earth. You crossed the line. You know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Retrograde Podcast. This is the podcast where we talk about older movies. We talk about how they were made, how they were received, and whether or not they hold up. I am Austin. And I'm George. And I am so excited because we finally get to talk about this movie. Yes, I originally wanted to talk about Bruce Lee movie, but... There's an anniversary coming up that we just couldn't miss. It's finally time. I've been wanting to do this movie for a long time. In a galaxy far, far away. Or is it a long, long time? I always forget. It's a long, <laughs> long time, galaxy far away, or a long time ago, far, far away. Fake fan. Fake fan already. Unsubscribe. So unsubscribe. It? Dislike. What dislike. What is it, George? What is it? It's Tell a galaxy uh, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Okay. Yeah, fake fan, fake fan. But I'm so excited because we've talked about this movie. We've mentioned this franchise in almost all of our episodes to a certain degree, enough to kind of make a joke out of it. Austin. Oh, yeah. What film are we going to be talking about? The film we're going to be talking about today is the original 1977 Star Wars, directed by George Lucas, starring Mark Hamill, Harrison Ford, Carrie Fisher and Peter Peter Mayhew mm-hmm. is that his name Chewbacca all yeah. oh, the, the original gang you know it's time oh, this I this is I'm so excited I can't even express how excited I am and it's crazy crazy too because we just did Spider Man which I made the you know I said that that was kind of my Star Wars you know because I got to see it in theaters and stuff but man just nothing beats out classic Star Wars you know what I mean like. Mm-hmm. It's just going back to a good time. Like this, whenever I think of this movie, it's like a wave of nostalgia hits me. I mean, that's what it oh, is, yeah. you know? And that's what Hollywood has been hoping to capitalize with a lot of movie releases this year. I mean, even, or this past few years. I mean, even Disney did it with Star Wars, you know? I mean, that's a whole separate conversation. But I mean, it is, you get nostalgic for good reason, you know? I saw this very young, very young with my dad. I can't even remember the first time I saw it. I I mean, I've said this on the podcast before, but I have always known that Darth Vader was Luke's father. I can't, I mean, there was clearly a moment when I didn't know that and I learned that information, <laughs> but I can't remember because it was so long ago. Cause I, oh, I remember. I remember that oh, when really? I found out. I remember where I was sitting. Really? Yeah. Ooh, tell me. Well, it was, I remember um, we had an extension to our house done. Like we, my dad had another room built for our house. And I remember watching it in that room on a VHS. And I remember turning to my dad. I'm like, wait, what? That's his dad? His dad didn't kill his, wait, what happened? And then the movie kind of ends with that. And you're, I'm like, oh, but what about his hand though? He just got his hand. I remember mm. that. I remember crying at the hand thing. And then my mind being blown at the, the dad twist. The but, hand thing fucked me up a lot too. The yeah. hand thing really, I feel like it really got to me because it, 
you know, you because the entire time you're like with Luke and it's like, oh, my God, Luke's the hero. Like everybody wanted yeah. to be Luke Skywalker. And then Empire Strikes Back, they fuck him up. Like he yeah. is the underdog. And you're like, oh, he he's going to be able to come back from this. And it's like, oh, no, he just lost his arm, his hand. <laughs> and I mean, because I saw it so young, I just I just kind of fe- remember feeling like this sense of dread of just like, and you know, that he's not ready for the fight either. Oh, yeah. With that great foreshadowing by Yoda. Yeah. I just remember every time I rewatched that movie, I always got to that scene and just kind of flinched or I kind of felt like maybe this time he'll be able to get away with it. It's like, no, (laughs) he's fucked either way. Yeah, it was great. Uh, But it all started in 77 with A New Hope. Empire Strikes Back came out later. But I don't know if I can remember the first time I saw Star Wars, like the original Star Wars specifically. I remember the first time I saw Empire, but I don't remember... The first time I saw A New Hope. Star Wars is so interesting because this is the first Star Wars. But if you say the first Star Wars, people are like, oh, do you mean episode one? No, I mean, no, no, I I know. I know this as the first Star Wars. When people are like the first Star Wars, it's like the OG. You're talking about the one that started it all, right? Mm -hmm. I can't remember the first time watching any of these films. Uh, I can't. I I could vaguely remember certain things, but like I just... It was so long ago because my dad grew up with this. He was in Nicaragua when he saw the original one, when he, when he saw this one in theaters with his brothers. So, you know, he he loved it so much. And he just, when I was a baby, just started, just started watching. I would, I guess I've always loved movies because of him yeah. and, or because he did it. So I started doing it. So then I fell in love with movies just like he did. So then I started watching, he would watch Star Wars. And I'd always watch it along with him. And that was just kind of like our thing. And I think that's where my love for science fiction really started. It really started with Star Wars. Yeah, same. Because I think that it it made this sci-fi world like pretty fun and mm-hmm. pretty accessible. Like it's not super complicated. Yes. Um, and the outfits, they look, you know, unique. Um, and for, for the time, like I feel like it does a really good job of making you believe, all right, you're on this planet now okay, now you're on this, like, Death Star thing. Okay, now you're in space. And it made all those places seem pretty real. Mm-hmm. And it was it was using, like, these revolutionary special effects at the time. But even now, they still it still looks, you know, decent. It's not like, I don't know. I feel like there's some special effects that you can see where it's, like, clearly, like, all right, that's not that's not a real person. That's a, uh, a CGI thing or oh, there's wires on this guy. You can tell by how he's floating up in the in the air and stuff. And like, you can, you can tell all that's happening in um, in Star Wars. Like, okay, these are miniatures. But for a second, you're like, even then, how do they make the miniatures fly in space? You know? They still look good. But Grant, I think the problem that Star Wars now has is because the new ones look incredible, right? I they mean, look so good. The, yeah. the computer, computer, gen- computer generated graphics just look phenomenal. That if a young, mm-hmm. a, a young person, like a baby watches those films first and then goes back to these, the original trilogy, it's like, oh, this looks terrible. And it's kind of like that. I mentioned this earlier, but like when I was younger, black and white films weren't films. They were like homework assignments that I had to do. They were chores to get mm-hmm. through because they didn't have color, right? And then even as a even as a, even as a as college student, sometimes I'd watch uh, silent films, and I'm just like, "Fuck, this is a homework assignment instead of a film." I think that's the problem with just with how great computer graphics have gotten. It's that yeah, this stuff, even though Star Wars still looks good. It, it looks antiquated by today's standards. And that's not 
the film's fault. It's it's technology. Yeah. It's always going to get but better. How but how antiquated does it look? We're about to find out. We're going <laughs> to find out. I still think it looks good because I'll rewatch clips of this movie on YouTube every so often. But I mean, sitting down and actually watching it. No, yeah, no. I, I think it's because there's so much going on besides watching the ships fly in space. Like you understand that they're losing, the music is coming in. You see that that giant countdown clock for when the Death Star is in range mm-hmm. of the Yavin Four. They they have a lot of stuff in there so that you're not looking at the actual special effects and yeah. going like, hmm, this looks this is clearly a miniature here. Well, you're, you know what I mean. You're invested in the story. You care yeah. about these characters and you care about their journey, so you're willing to suspend your disbelief as so much as as how good the story is. Something I wanted to touch on that I think you said that I think I agree 100% is that it made this world accessible. It made science fiction accessible because, I mean, look, Star Wars is not the first science fiction film or book or what you write. Dune came out way before this. Yeah. And Star Wars ripped off a lot of Dune. Oh, Star Wars ripped off a lot of things. But I think a lot of things. But what it did really well was that it made it accessible and it made it unique but familiar. Right. Like, for example, yeah. you, you're talking about their clothing. Yeah, their clothing doesn't really seem normal by the standards, by the fashion standards back then. But it was just so plausible enough. Like Harrison Ford is wearing a vest. It's a Earth kind of thing. Right. Like it, yeah. Obi-Wan's wearing like a uh, church a robe. A ro- yeah, a robe. <laughs> but, you know, it's it make it's those little details that make it accessible. And yeah, the locations, they look real. They feel real. They sound real. And, I mean, I remember there are some different stuff like Dune, for example, where Paul Atreides becomes a giant sandworm by, like, book three. Um, You have Masters of the Universe that was so far out and weird, you know? Sometimes some of these science fiction stories just went way too far into the fantastical that it made it inaccessible for some people. I I don't like the Dark Crystal. You know, I know that's fantasy. Wow. But uh, Star Wars is science fiction fantasy. I don't like the Dark Crystal. I just couldn't watch it. I was confused. I was confused. I was bored. I was irritated. And uh, <laughs> yeah, and but but people who like fantasy and it gets everywhere. <laughs> but people who like fantasy really love it because it's like, oh, it adheres to classic fantasy tropes or it subverts them or it does this and that. And it's like, that's great and all if you're really in a fantasy. But if you're not, if you're a layman just trying to enjoy it, enjoy something for a few hours, it is just fucking weird. And but Star Wars removes that factor. Star Wars says remove some of it. It's still weird. But well, it's, it's still weird, but it's it's just believable enough. Oh, what's the force? Oh, the force is a natural thing that's all around us. And, you know, if you know how to wield it, it could give you special abilities. Easy peasy. Like nothing about you, it. But And then the like new powers are just put in every single movie afterwards and you're just like, Yeah, that's fine, it's the force. Yeah. But it's not like Dune where it's like, oh, the sands of uh, Arrakis have enabled people to, or the spice has enabled people all across the universe to reach new levels of intelligence where technology is no longer required because of this uprising with technology that with technology centuries ago. And now they're able, some people are able to see the future and some, the spice can transform people into sandworms. And it's like, what the? fuck are you talking about you know like it's not that different i guess the force and spice i mean once a bit star wars is more sanitized science fiction and yeah to science to heart simplified yeah simplified sanitized but that's what's so cool about star wars 
It was able to please everyone where even if you're a hardcore science fiction fan, you can still watch Star Wars and get something out of it. Maybe it's not yeah. at the level that you want it to be, but it still works. On top of all that, it's exciting to watch. Just plain yeah. and simple. You get invested. The music swells up. You're like, fuck yeah, you know? So <laughs> that's, what ma- that, that's what makes it great. So I just kind of wanted to go to that because I agree 100%. It does what Spider-Man kind of did. You know, it made superheroes a bit more relatable, a bit more emotional. And it really grounded it in what people knew. And I think Star Wars did that to a certain extent. Oh, yeah. Like the, the, the Jedi being like these samurai-esque warriors was, was not a coincidence. You know, they definitely came from somebody else. I think George Lucas was a big fan of Kurosawa. Yeah. Um, but we can get into that later. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I think what's unique about Star Wars, though, is that it started in in the film. It started with mm-hmm. 1977 with this weird project that nobody believed in. Yeah. Which, I mean... The- Marvel, Harry Potter, they had books and comic books to come from, you know. But Star yeah. Wars was just like this weird thing that somebody turned into a movie that people were like, this movie sucks. <laughs> they, they re they edited it over again they got the score put it in theaters and people were like this is the best thing i've ever seen that's yeah. i love that incredible and it, it makes you like really hopeful you know that we could see another star wars just like that you know i mean probably not but i mean the fact that so many people got behind this movie when it didn't have a bunch of novels or comics before it to establish it didn't have any it didn't have any of it it's like and no it, one knew what Star Wars was before May 25th, 1977. No, except George Lucas. <laughs> except George Lucas and maybe some of the cat, some of the crew. <laughs> but even most of them then like, I don't know what the fuck's happening. Like they're just like, yeah. it's funny because the way they talk about these films is the way Marvel actors talk about Marvel films now where it's just like, I don't know, like we're just filming a bunch of stuff. I get, I get new lines <laughs> of dialogue every day when we're filming. I can't make heads or tails of it. I just, I don't get what's happening. And it's like, Wow, they, wow, this stuff is really hectic. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the box office. Because I'm really interested right. to, to talk about this movie because it's... Okay, so in 1977, at the top of the box office was Star Wars, A New Hope. Um, I believe it was just Star Wars at the time, though. All these numbers and subtitles came into play later on. Uh, it made $460,000 at the box office. Wait, 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 what? $460,000 at the domestic box office. It didn't even break a million? Sorry. $460 million at the oh, box office. Okay, okay. Oh. I, was, I was like... Wait. I was like, what did I say? Oh, oh there's an extra comma here. <laughs> I was like, hold on. I don't know the numbers exactly, but you are off by a lot. Yeah, by 1,000%? <laughs> or just a hundred. Just a hundred. hundred times. Um, yeah, $460 million at the box office, bigger than, I can't do the, the quick math right now, but it's as much as the next three movies combined. Because number two, you have Close Encounters of the Third Kind, which came in at $169 million. Mm-hmm. Saturday Night Fever was number three, John Travolta disco movie, mm-hmm. uh, $139 million. And then Smokey and the Bandit uh, at with $126 million. So you'd like 126 plus 140 plus 170. I can't do math, man. I didn't graduate with math. I failed every <laughs> math class I ever took. But All we'll right. Ju- we'll so just say it's a lot, lot. It's it's a lot. It's well, more. Like, I think Star Wars made more than the three of them combined at the domestic box office, if you do the math. 
Well, let's uh, put it this way. Star Wars, to this day, adjusted for inflation, is still one of the highest grossing, film, grossing films of all time. Because adjusted for inflation, which just means that you equal the value of the dollar from 1977 to 2022, right? For, for those who don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you equal it all out, what actually is the highest grossing film of all time? Which is Gone with the Wind right star wars is one of the highest grossing films of all time adjusted for inflation it's definitely top 10 so this movie was fucking meteoric or is that even a word it's it was a big deal it was a big fucking deal it was a big deal yeah we gotta use complicated words that's what they tried to do in star wars and then they were like don't do that let's make it simple (laughs) uh number five is the goodbye girl number six in search of noah's ark number seven oh god from warner brothers studios no idea what that movie is. This is the first time I've ever seen this title. Ever. Same. Uh, number eight, A Bridge Too Far. Number nine, The Deep. Number 10, The Rescuers. And then also coming out this year is The Spy Who Loved Me, James Bond film. Mm-hmm. Annie Hall, Pete's Dragon, High Anxiety, Slapshot, The Exorcist Part 2, The Original Freaky Friday, and The Kentucky Fried Movie. <laughs> uh (laughs) it's funny it's funny because you know people nowadays would be like i've seen two of these movies i've seen like three of them it's funny because people would be like man yeah they don't make they don't make movies like they used to and it's like yeah they don't make them like kentucky fried movie or what what was the name of that (laughs) that's kentucky fried movie jesus christ i think those guys eventually went on to do like airplane and stuff Mm, okay uh and what was the what was the warner brothers one oh no oh god oh god oh yeah they don't make them like oh god anymore yeah star wars came out and and made so much money and now all we have (laughs) is like marvel movies comic books and star wars movies yeah so it's it's a it's a good thing and it's kind of a bad thing because it's hard to make your own thing when you're competing with this thing that everybody already loves that's that makes millions of dollars even if the movies aren't good, it's still going to make millions of dollars. Star Wars is that bittersweet thing. I mean, look, I love it, but it is bittersweet. Same. It's got equal parts bitterness because, yeah, it did shit change the focus of the industry. Now, I mean, look, can I imagine that 45 years after Star Wars, if Star Wars hadn't come out and 45 years later, would the, the film industry be better than when it was back then? Who knows? You know, if we well, would there would have been something else. There would have been that, something else. But I mean, yeah, would it have the there's there's always trends happen for a reason and people always like to say well it's it's a bad thing or it's we're in the best times of film or we're in the worst times and it's like well it's it's hard to say the reality is it's both good and bad because yeah i love marvel films but fuck do i need 28 of them like consecutively like three (laughs) coming out every single year along with six disney plus shows coming out I, i don't know do i need more star wars yeah, I'd like more Star Wars, but maybe do something different with it instead of like continuing the same fucking story that ended in '86. <sighs> yeah, and the other thing too is the the fans can kind of like it's great that this thing has fans, right? Oh yeah, it's it's fun to talk about Star Wars with Star Wars fans, but it's also very not fun to talk about Star Wars with Star Wars fans. And sometimes these fans can influence the direction that the movies make for the worse. Yes, yes, yes. Because, man, fans will, like, I don't know. I mean, they'll just, like... They care a lot is is the thing. And sometimes they care a lot about things that they shouldn't care about. Like... Yes. None of these none of these characters are real, you know? That's something you got to remember. Look, if you want 
Star Wars to look and feel a certain way, that's fine. Everyone's due to their own opinion. If you didn't like Snoke and you didn't like him dying, hey, that is totally cool. That is your opinion. I'm not going to shit on it. Personally, the director didn't want to go the same route as having another Palpatine, and I agree with that. But if you want a centralized villain, that's cool. That's not what I... Go watch Star Wars, the original trilogy. Exactly. Like, I don't... But ultimately, in the grand scheme of things, that's not what upsets me. What upsets me the most is when you have people like Kelly Marie Tran who are getting kicked off of Twitter by just hordes of these of these losers just going in and saying you ruined star wars go kill yourself saying all these awful things referring to both her gender and her race even though that has nothing to do with her character in star wars or Mm -hmm. in in the fact that she didn't even have any real creative decisions about what happened in star wars she was just a woman who got a part to be in star wars and she i'm sure she thought man my life is gonna never is never gonna be the same it's like yeah you're right but not for the better I'm sorry. And yeah, and I, I think uh, the guy who plays Jar Jar, right? The voice of Jar Jar. Oh like, my God. People were so mean to him. He. And it's like, dude, he's just a, the voice. Like, he didn't write those lines. He. Jesus again, Christ. He got paid to be in Star Wars. Which one of you motherfuckers would not take that gig? You'd do it. Mm-hmm. But now, what if that gig turns out to be awful for an awful film? And now you have hordes thousands millions of people just on top of you saying go kill yourself you suck blah 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 blah. he thought about committing suicide he opened up about it thank god he didn't it'd be awful it'd be tragic for an actor to kill themselves over a fan's response for 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 a fucking film of of all things that's where i'm like because i i get upset at star wars for the creative decisions that they take but hey you know i get upset at marvel i get upset at all these things and i love it sometimes whatever but let's not let's not drag people down for doing a job you know yes i that's what i hate the most that's Mm -hmm. what i hate the most and people justify it by saying well i just care a lot i just care a lot it means so much to me (laughs) maybe it shouldn't (laughs) maybe it shouldn't or maybe you just need to manage your feelings grass You, you just need to manage your feelings better because you and i star wars means a lot to us and yeah. I guarantee you, I've never said any horrible thing, like go kill yourself or go or whatever. Mm-hmm. I've said some bad things about the movies, but you just never going to get on Twitter and send something like that to the drag actor. somebody because they were in a movie. No, even yeah. if I even if I don't like it, you know, drag them for something that they do awful in real life. Sure. But and, and that's that's part of the bitterness. That's part yeah. of the bitterness that we have to acknowledge and that we have to be better than because fuck man, Star Wars should be that thing that everyone gets to enjoy. It, what I was saying earlier, it's accessible. So why are you going to gatekeep it? I mean, yeah, people always gatekeep shit, you know, they're going to gatekeep everything, but it's like, just stop. Stop it. All right. So that is all we have for the first part of Star Wars, what we're going to be talking about, how it was almost not made. We're talk about get into more of the maybe the fan culture that kind of started from Star Wars. I think that'd be interesting to get into since we talked about it so much here. I feel like the bulk of our conversation is going to be more about the behind the scenes stuff. Because, I mean, we've seen this movie to a T. There's no surprises. I mean, I think we're going to talk about just how some things have aged. But for the yeah. most part, it's like, well, yeah, it's I still love it. I'm sure you're still going to love it. So it's like, yeah. okay. And it, it is on Disney Plus, if you're a Disney Plus subscriber. Uh, is it available anywhere else? And it's interesting, too, like all the different versions of the movie that there oh are. Oh, my God. Thank like we'll God. never be able to watch that VHS one unless you have the VHS copy. Mm-hmm. We'll never be able to see a theatrical release. Yeah. Because they 
they have that hidden away in a vault or behind like a huge DVD box set. If you have TNT or TBS, you can kind of find it on there. They'll put that in syndication. But Disney Plus, you can watch Star Wars there. We'll, we'll get into the different versions of the movie because that's kind of interesting. We'll get into George Lucas with his fans because that's kind of interesting. Maybe They made a whole our... documentary about George Lucas and how... And, and his fans. Yeah, and I feel like there him. was... Yeah, there was a, I think there was a guy on there that said, George Lucas killed my childhood, or I think they said raped. I think it's something Jesus like that. Christ. Oh, yeah. That is, I mean, I might That's not That's fans. Yeah, yeah. That, according to them, George Lucas something their childhood, and that something is not positive. George Lucas raped our childhood. George Lucas raped our childhood. George Lucas raped our childhood. Um, so we'll get into all that, and we'll get into the movie itself. It's going to be kind of a packed episode, I think. Yeah. I'm, I'm hoping we can all get it into one and not have to do the two-parter thing. But there's a lot to talk about. And we both love, love Star Wars. Yeah. But it's going to be really fun to go back and watch this. So with that, we will see you in one minute. Luke Skywalker was just a farm boy until he received a mysterious message from a princess. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. She's beautiful. Star Wars, starring Mark Hamill. I'm Luke Skywalker. I'm here to rescue you. Aren't you a little short for a stormtrooper? Harrison Ford. Boring conversation anyway. Luke, we're gonna have I think we took a wrong turn. Carrie Fisher. Good luck. Alec Guinness. You can't win, Darth. If you strike me down, I shall become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. 20th Century Fox presents the most extraordinary motion picture of all time, Star Wars. Here's where the fun begins. No legendary adventure of the past could be as exciting as this romance of the future. Here they come. May the Force be with you in Star Wars. Hello, everybody. We are back from watching Star Wars or Star Wars Episode 4, A New Hope. Because this na this movie has gone through a few different name changes. Uh, even like I, I researched. Well, we decided before we get into it, we decided to break this up into two episodes because there is a wealth of information about the making of Star Wars. And a lot of it's pretty interesting. So we're going to give all of that in a special making of episode. Yeah, there's so much behind the film. There's so much behind it that it's like, well, we we can't cover it in one episode. It's going to be longer than the it's going to be longer than the whole trilogy. It's like we can't do that. <laughs> it's there's a lot of stuff and uh the names that Star Wars used to have is like Jesus Christ. Oh yeah. <laughs> the names. Okay, uh but we're back from watching Star Wars, the first one. And um man, it's still pretty good, I think. Still still solid. Still a great movie. Yeah, it's it's pretty fantastic. There so okay, look, man. I it's funny because out of all the movies we've done, this is like the one that like in a weird way like I still have opinions about it, but I almost feel like it's the the one I have the least to say. Even though it's like the one that we both love and the one we keep reference referencing. all the time. But watching it's like Oh yeah, it's Star Wars. Like I remember this, and it's great. It's fun. It's fantastic. Um, I watched this movie so many times as a kid, and it's actually been a few years since I've seen it. Actually, I think 
even before college, so like before 2011. So it's probably been 10 years since I've seen this movie. Yeah, like watched it from beginning to end. Yeah, because I mean, I'll go back and watch clips on YouTube. That's actually one of my one of the things I always did, even before YouTube, was I would grab the cassettes and like just re uh, fast forward to the parts that I wanted to rewatch, <laughs> and I'd just do that. But like actually from beginning to end, it's probably even more than 10 years, honestly. Uh, that I've seen, yeah. this, that I've sat down and seen this movie. And, but it's weird because I'm like, yeah, no, I feel the exact same way. Like, I still love it. There are some things that I did notice. And there's actually some frustrating parts now. Some things that frustrate me now that never have before. And it has less to do with the movie and more with the actual franchise. Well, we're just talking about the movie. Don't we're going to be I, here for I know. 10 million years if we talk about the franchise. No, no, I know. But, but that's what I mean. Like, in terms of the movie... It's great. Like, my opinion has not changed. I love this movie. I think it's great. There's really only one thing that I noticed. But really, I'm just going to compliment this movie the whole time. Because the thing about this podcast is we go back and rewatch movies that you know, we're not sure how they've aged. Right? Or we are sure, but maybe the other person isn't. But I feel like both you and I are kind of on the same page. Like, this movie has aged incredibly well. And we still love it. But the downside is this movie has technically like just the film alone has aged well but there are certain things that the franchise has done that in a way kind of hinder this movie that holds it back and there were some things that were actually frustrating me while watching this movie even though it's not the mm-hmm. movie's fault it's it's everything else <laughs> that's really where i'm coming from but outside of that uh-huh. the movie's great like i if you haven't seen yeah. it go watch it just, i know. tried to watch it as if i was watching it for the first time I was like trying to forget everything I knew about it beforehand, before where all the characters were going to go, who's related to who. Um, And it's I feel like watching it that way. I can see why audiences fell in love with it back in 77. You know, the way it's the way it's cut together is like, that's really good. That's that's a really great transition right there. But we'll we'll get into it. Yeah. It's funny because um, I, I could not watch it that way. I am watching it through the eyes of like a 28-year-old who's seen all of these movies. And it's like, oh, my head's hurting a little bit. But still, I mean, look, if you haven't seen it, go watch the fucking thing. It's it's Star Wars. Don't don't be that person. I'm not going to watch something because it's really popular. Fuck you. Werner Herzog's never seen Star Wars. But he's Werner Herzog. Like, <laughs> he's the exception. You know, he's it, the exception. He's the exception. Werner Herzog is Werner Herzog. So I want to see the baby. <laughs> so I and and he's so great. Like he, it's not that he hates Star Wars. I just don't think he's interested. Which I mean, if you've seen that man's movies, he is focused on other stuff. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So we usually like to. Well, if you want to watch Star Wars, it is on Disney Plus. You could probably find it on TNT if you're a cable subscriber. I, I believe it's on syndication there. You probably watch it on demand on their website if you have a cable code or something. Or if you have the VHS tapes and still got a VHS player. I feel like that's one of the only ways to watch the closest thing resembling the theatrical mm-hmm. cut nowadays. Uh-huh. There's so many different versions out there. Oh, yeah. Uh, we we'll, might get into it a little bit in this episode because I feel like the parts that don't hold up are the parts that were added in afterwards. <laughs> and that and Austin, that is the first of my points. <laughs> that yeah. right there. But uh, we'll get into it. We like to start our episodes off with a brief summary of the movie, just in case it kind of forgot some things. It's been a minute since you've seen Star Wars, and maybe you're driving, you know, and you need some context for what we're, we're going to talk about. So let's talk about Star Wars, A New Hope, Episode 4. Well, we start off 
with this opening crawl that talks about a galactic civil war and this empire, the galactic empire with the Death Star that has the power to destroy an entire planet. And then there's this rebel alliance who is trying to stop the empire from taking over everything, stop their fascist rule. Um, and they have the plans for the Death Star to like maybe destroy it. There's a ship, a Princess Leia ship. She's kind of like a rebel leader. And she's got these plans and her ship's being boarded. So she puts their plans on these droids, which are robots. R2-D2. She puts the plans on there, gives a message to an Obi-Wan Kenobi. And C-3PO goes with R2. They escape down to the planet Tatooine, uh, which is a desert planet. And on this desert planet, there are scavengers called Jawas. They pick them up. And they sell them to these farmers that farm moisture. And Uncle Owen and his nephew, Luke Skywalker, buy the droids not knowing who they actually belong to. R2 accidentally plays part of a holographic message of Princess Leia talking about how she needs Obi-Wan Kenobi's help. And he's like, I don't know an Obi-Wan Kenobi, but I know a Ben Kenobi. I wonder if they're, they're related. But R2-D2 has gone missing. He's run away and uh, he, him and C-3PO go chasing after R2 because he's like, Luke is like, if I don't get these droids to my uncle, I'm going to be here for another year. So he's trying to find him and he finds him and then he gets jumped by these sand people. And then this hooded figure comes out and does this weird scream. And then the sand people are like, oh, fuck. And then they get out of there. And then he takes off his hood and it's Alec Guinness, Sir Alec Guinness, playing Ben Kenobi. And Luke is like, hey, do you know Ben Kenobi? I think this droid belongs to, to him. Or do you know Obi-Wan? And he's like, oh, I know Obi-Wan. He's me. And he's like, oh, you're, you're Obi-Wan Kenobi. Let's go talk in your hut. And then Luke finds out that Obi-Wan knew his dad and they were a part of the Jedi Knights, like a warriors that protected the galaxy, upheld peace before the dark times, before the Empire. And Obi-Wan gives Luke... His dad's lightsaber it's a, like a sword a laser sword and he's like this is a great weapon from a civilized age and then the r2d2 plays the message and he's like okay well we have to go to alderaan and luke come with me and learn to be a jedi knight luke's like i can't do that i gotta be a farmer uh so they run into they start going back to the port to get obi-wan and the droids off planet they run into the jawas but all the jawas are dead and they're like wait a minute the Empire did this. If they track the jaw the droids to the Jawas, they probably track the droids to my uncle and aunt. And then Luke speeds off to go check on his uncle and aunt, but they've been turned into skeletons. Like just burned to a crisp. So he's like, Well, fuck this planet. I'm getting out of here. Obi-Wan, teach me to be a Jedi. I don't want to be here anymore. So they go to Moss Eisley. This like you'll never find a, a more was it scum and villainy? Or something it's like a seedy place you see all these weird aliens and shit and there's stormtroopers which are like the empire's soldiers they're like there they're like the cops they're like stopping everybody like hey let me see your identification but obi-wan has these like mind tricks where he's like you don't need to see our identification we can go about our day and luke is like that was really weird <laughs> he doesn't know anything about the force but as the movie goes on obi-wan kind of teaches him a little bit about powers that a jedi has they meet Han Solo and Chewbacca and they're like, okay, we'll agree to take you off planet, but it's going to cost you because we have to avoid the Empire and that's an extra fee. And Obi-Wan's like, all right, we'll make a deal. Uh, Luke, we're going to have to sell your land speeder. 
sell your car. Uh, you find out that Han Solo actually owes money to another guy. So that's why he's doing this. He's He needs the money to pay off a debt that he owes so he could keep living. Because a, a guy tries to kill him, Greedo. He shoots him under the table. It's like real cowboy style. Uh, but we'll, we'll circle back to this scene, I'm sure. Because there's some controversy about this scene. They get off planet. They, they run into some stormtroopers. They blast their way out. They take the they use hyperspace to travel to Alderaan, but Alderaan has already been destroyed. The Death Star, Grand Moff Tarkin, which is like the big general in charge of the Death Star, he's trying to get Princess Leia to tell him where the rebel base was, but she didn't want to talk, so he blew up her home planet. So everybody on Alderaan is dead. That's right when our heroes get there on the Millennium Falcon, and they get sucked into the tractor beam of the Death Star, and then they have to hide on board, and then they come up with a plan to like take the stormtrooper outfits and like walk around and deactivate the tractor beam and then get out of there. While they do this, they accidentally find the princess. They help her escape. They go through a trash compactor. They fight a little monster thing. And then when they try to get back on the ship, uh, Obi-Wan was trying to deactivate the tractor beam, but he gets confronted by Darth Vader and he challenges Obi-Wan to a one-on-one -on -one duel because Obi-Wan used to be his master before he went to the dark side. Uh, so they fight. And then Obi-Wan sees Luke about to get on the Millennium Falcon to escape. And he just kind of lets himself die to Darth Vader. And he like disappears as soon as the lightsaber kills him. So it's like, is he dead? What happened to him? Uh, so they fly away and they make it back to the rebel base. But Darth Vader had a plan. He was tracking the Millennium Falcon the whole time. So now they know where the rebel base is. Now it's just a matter of time before they can destroy it. So the rebels, they go over the plans on R2-D2. They're like, all right, if we shoot a missile here, we'll blow up the whole Death Star and we'll be safe from being blown up. So they send out all their fighters. Luke, for some reason, is a part of this, <laughs> this these uh, starfighters. And Han's like, I'm only in it for the money. I'm out of here. Leia and Luke kind of shame him like, oh, you're greedy. Uh, so they have this big space battle everybody's on the rebel side is dying even one of luke's like home friends from tatooine he gets blown up darth vader shooting them all down and then luke hears obi-wan's voice call from the afterlife tell him to let go use the force so luke turns off his targeting computer and just free aims shoots these missiles into this like two meter wide exhaust port to blow up the death star right before darth vader is able to kill him han solo comes back because he's not a bad guy after all and he shoots at Darth Vader and Darth Vader like loses control because Darth Vader's wingman crashes into him. He goes spiraling off into space, fate unknown. Luke shoots the missiles into the Death Star, it explodes. Everybody's happy. And then Luke, Han, and Chewie get a hero's welcome. They get medals, except for Chewie, for some reason, doesn't get a medal. And that's the end of the movie. Yeah, it's very straightforward. And again, everyone, most people have seen this movie. So most people are aware of <laughs> just all this. But for, for a reminder, because it has been a minute, there are some things that I definitely didn't remember happening. It's funny to think that Star Wars uses the metric system <laughs> for meters. Does it? Yeah, two meters. They keep saying that. It's two meters. Oh, yeah. In some places, yeah, they, they use two meters. But then they're like, the whole parsec thing. Like, this is oh, a yeah. ship that made the Kessel Run in 12 parsecs. 12 parsecs. That sounds like a unit of time, but it's actually a, a measurement of distance. Which it's funny because growing up, I had no idea what that meant. And it's yeah. funny because this movie is actually littered with that. Like they have so many things where it's like, oh man, like this blah, 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 blah. Like I was some... supposed to go to Tasha Jason and pick up some power converters. <laughs> I was laughing <laughs> what does that, that mean? That... 
<laughs> it's like, what does that mean? But I like that. But, I, I'm not, but then I'm Uncle not... Owen says right after, you can waste time with your friends some other time. You got to do your chores. So it's yeah. like, oh, who's going to go hang out? I guess yeah. pick up some power converters was like hanging out with friends. Yeah. <laughs> well, and this movie does that. Like they'll throw these little lines of dialogue that will just like reference a piece of technology or like a place or a location. And you're like, eh, they threw they threw the Clone Wars in there. That's really wild. Mm-hmm. You know, it was something that I noticed now where I was like, oh, shit, they're mentioning the Clone Wars. And I mean, look, we're going to compliment this movie because I'm, I'm a big fan of it. You're a big fan of it, obviously. So it's like everything's great. There are just like three things that kind of bugged me. And one thing that I thought was really funny. The really funny oh, thing. Most, I think the things that bugged me were the the stuff that was added in. Yeah. And some of the stuff that happens in it that's kind of like goofy makes me laugh. And I like it for that. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. This movie is silly. It's very family friendly. Yeah, except for that guy's arm that gets cut off and you see all the blood on the floor. But honestly, <laughs> that, that didn't even traumatize me that much as a kid. I think seeing Luke get his arm cut off in the in the sequel because yeah, he's a character you care about exactly. and not some like nameless ruffian in a bar <laughs> i don't like you <laughs> i love that uh, there's a scene when they're in the bar where luke acts is like he's not even doing anything he's just standing and this guy who's like i don't like you he doesn't like you either you best watch yourself it's man fuck you that dude had it coming man fuck him i have the death sentence on over 12 systems well, see, it's like the way they refer to that, like systems, you know, is that like solar systems? Is that like, I, I don't, they don't get into specific details like that, but that's fine. Yeah, like that's, it, that's great. It's fine. It, it's, it it's, implies that the world is larger, but like you get that, oh, this guy's bragging about how he's a wanted man. Exactly. And he's dangerous well, and Luke doesn't care. <laughs> everything is rooted in like something that we're familiar with, you know, like when he's trying to yeah. sell his car or his speeder, it's mm-hmm. like, man, since that new one came out, mine, no one, no one just wants these. But he uses the yeah. actual term of the speeder and it's like, oh, that's a pretty neat detail. Do you want it to start with the pros or the cons? Uh, let's let's go into it from the very beginning. Like, okay. I just love how this movie starts. Just how like bombastic, I think, is the word. Absolutely. Because you can't you can't think about Star Wars without also thinking about the amazing John Williams score. Right. And the, the crawl at the beginning of the movie. You know how when movies start with text, I feel like some people hate it. Yeah. Right. I, I feel like people complain about, like, oh, why do we got to read this in the beginning? But the way Star Wars does it, man, it's it's, <laughs> it's so funny. The way they do it with the yellow font, with the stars in the background and the fonts got like kind of tilted, leaning or leaning backwards, floating up the, yeah. like, the font, the way it's laid out. It's really nice and clean. Like they could have done it like any other movie has done it, which is actual text on a black screen. And it's like it's called yeah. retiring and blade runners retire replicants and stuff like that and it's like i don't yeah. hate the font i don't hate the text but it's like you could have spiced it up a little bit more it, it's not a like what i think of when i think of star wars when i think of star wars i think of the and then the fucking crawl comes mm-hmm. up it's like this is a tale from the the great scroll of you know what i mean yeah <laughs> well the great galactic scroll of all time and you're hearing this like music with the blaring trumpets and everything and it does this great thing where it hooks the audience right i mean with the job that you and i had right where it's like watching movies and testing them with audiences something that i notice is that audiences will usually say that the beginning is boring right because they're trying to and it's not that the movie's actually boring it's just that the audience is trying to figure out what's happening who are my main characters what's the genre of the movie what's what's the movie about 
right? Are we saving someone? Is it a rom-com? Is it an action film? What What's happening? If it's a mm-hmm. sequel, like to John Wick, well, they already know what to expect. But if it's a film, an original film, not based on anything, they want to know what it is. And this movie solves that. You've got the title. You've got the crawl. You've got the ominous a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. It's, you know, it's kind of anachronistic. You know, it's out of place in time, but it's in the future. But a past a long time ago throws you off. But you've got the music and it just starts with the space with the spaceship scene. Right. And then you just see how it's all one. It's like a continuous shot, too. So like you're reading this text in space and then the camera moves. uh, It tilts down and then you see these spaceships chasing each other. Yeah. Lasers flying out. And it's like, oh. Oh, we're right in this. <laughs> and within like the first like five minutes, there's already a fight. People are dying. Darth Vader chokes some fool out. Like it's you get Leia. one hand, one hand. Oh, and like his voice voiced by uh, James Earl Jones. Or, yeah, James Earl Jones. Mm-hmm. It's like you get the great setup right into the action, right into the story, which is great because when we used to make short films at UCI, one of the reoccurring jokes that we'd have is that every short film has to start with someone waking up in bed. <laughs> it's just, oh, someone's waking up in bed. Boom. The instructors were like, you guys got to start like in the middle. You got to start way more interesting because if you just if your main character is in bed and just gets up, it's boring. We've seen that before. Everybody does that every single day of their lives. Mm-hmm. Like bring something different. And this movie follows that to a T. And it's it's great. Yeah. And the text is like, it's three very short paragraphs. It's not a lot. And like all the important stuff, the stuff that's like, uh, you need to like be in the universe to understand. There's not a lot of it. You know what I mean? Galactic Empire. It's like, well, okay, well, Galactic is space. Empire is like, you know, we know empires. We have empires. Rebels yeah. are good. Empire's bad. You could fill in the you could fill in the dots or the you could fill in mm-hmm. the blanks. This movie starts incredibly. That does lead into something that I did notice about the movie. It's not mm-hmm. a bad thing, but it does feel odd. It's that the movie's a lot slower than I remember it. <laughs> I think if you watch it from the perspective of like, okay, I this I'm tr- I'm somebody who's never seen Star Wars before. Mm-hmm. I think then you kind of get a sense that this is a there's different sides of of the of the galaxy like you have the spaceships you have the these fleets and these like premium technology everything's clean and then you go down to the slums then you go down to Tatooine and everything's really dirty and you you got you got these guys working hard jobs they might die tomorrow you know what i mean mm-hmm. so i think if you look at it from that perspective it's less less slow well it's setting up the movie is trying to ease you into the world right like it's not yeah it's not like these other science fiction films where it's like here's a bunch of crazy shit and you have no time to process it you just gotta go 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 that was mm-hmm. that's my biggest problem with um i mentioned it in the first part fucking the dark crystal was that i i saw that as a grown man or in college you know grown boyish and <laughs> and I was fucking confused by that movie. I was, I was a like, grown boy. I was a grown boy. But I was like, I don't, what the fuck is happening? What is this? Who are the Skeksis? What's the what, what is this? I'm I'm lost. I'm confused. You can't be lost with this movie because this movie takes its time and it's like, all right, this is where the droids are. This is what they're doing. This is their yeah, relationship. You- they're being followed. This is why Luke and his uncle buy the droids. Like it. You know, and you're seeing weird shit. Uh, you're seeing weird shit too. So it's like, so you're not bored, but like in terms of 
plot, it does kind of slow down. And that was something that I realized. I, it slows down. And after that bombastic opening, it's just like the music is very quiet, very low. Just like sometimes there's no music at all. And that was another shocking thing about this movie. There's not, there are scenes that don't have any music at all. Mm -hmm. And it's a lot more than I remember. Right? Because when you think of, look, man, when you think of Star Wars, you think of the music. Like, easy peasy. Everyone thinks of the of the theme song. So the music is one of the first things that people go to when they think of Star Wars. So I was expecting a lot more music. I was expecting music in every scene. And then I'm watching like, oh, wow, when was the last time I heard anything? Other than like the ambient sound of the desert, you know? <laughs> that was mm -hmm. something that I noticed. It's like, there's not as much music as I remember it. Even in the yeah. final battle, there's like a good chunk where there's no music at all. You're just hearing the X-Wing fly and the destruction and all that. And then the music pick up picks up at the very end. But I was like, oh my God. Yeah, when that guy explodes. Yeah. There's good chunks of this movie where there's no music. It's quiet. No real plot. No like, oh, we need to do this in order to do that. It's just like, we're just, you're in this world, there's a bunch of crazy shit, and you're just gonna experience it all, you know? And we're not... Yeah, there's there's a moment in the... I think I know what you're talking about. You're talking about the moment where the droids are by themselves. Yeah. And it, it takes a little bit to, to get to uh, Luke and Uncle Owen. Because the droids, they, they, they land on Tatooine, land in the desert in the middle of nowhere. And they're arguing, but you can only understand C-3PO. Yeah. And they seem to fight over nothing. And C-3PO is like, well... I'm going to go this way. Don't follow me. And then he kicks R2 for some reason. <laughs> and then they all get caught by the Jawas. And you see that they're reunited there. And then that's like a whole sequence. It's like 20 minutes before you get to Luke. That's what I was going to say. By the 20, 25 minute mark, that's when the inciting incident happens, right? That's when the main characters gets their objective and they got to go on the journey. 20 to 25 minutes, right? And 20 to 25 minutes in A New Hope, that's when Luke gets the droids. But he's not even really aware of where they're from, you know, the message that R2-D2 has. He finds out a little bit later. But the adventure doesn't actually start until 40 minutes in when Luke sees his uncle and aunt dead. 40 yeah. minutes in. That's wild. I Oh, yeah. It's not a bad thing. It's not a... This isn't a bad thing. In fact, I'm like, hey... Like, the pace is good. It's just a lot slower than I remember it being. You, do you know what I mean? Yeah, because I, I think we've both watched this movie a ton of times, Yeah. right? So this is all stuff that we already know, right? We're just kind of getting to it. And it, I don't know. It's it's not as funny, mm -hmm. I guess. It, there's parts of it that are funny, like when the Jawas jump R2. Like, why does R2 fall over? You know? Like, what? Why? <laughs> he's he's on wheels. And the, the way that, that C-3PO is just so negative and he's just so angry about anything R2 does, he's so annoying. Yeah. He's, he's just so annoying. It's kind of fun to hate him. Well, oh, that's man. the... But again, that's a, that's a character thing and we're able to characterize these droids because we spend enough time with them. Even R2-D2, to a certain extent. We don't understand what he's saying, but we, we understand uh, their rapport with each other and it's pretty great. I, yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, his family died a lot sooner. And I was like, oh, shit, we're 40 minutes in. What the fuck? Oh, yeah. Because that's kind of like, I think that's the, that's the inciting incident. Because his parents, because his parents, his, you know, his uncle and aunt die. Then now he's thrust into the new world of like, all right, I'm going to learn the ways of the Force and the Jedi, yada, yada, yada. You know, typically that comes in 20 minutes. So that was just a... 
that was just a quick thing where I was like, oh, wow, okay. This is a, a good refresher. So great. I will say, I don't know if Sand People has aged well, you know what I mean? I feel like, because I know they say it in the movie and they don't mean anything by it, you know, no racism. I don't think so. But like, you know, I just, just, you know how like there are certain just things that just don't feel right to say? Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like just certain words. It's like, I don't know if I could say that. You know what I mean? But their other name is Tuscan Raider. Well, yeah, but but when Tuscan they skin people, but, I don't know. But when they refer to them as sand people, it just feels a little weird. You know what I mean? Like it, it uh, feels like a slur. <laughs> I'm not saying it is. I'm not saying it is. Um, it, you know, maybe it's just me. The times uh-huh. that we're in, where now we're trying to be conscious of like everyone's like the what you can and can't yeah. say to people. And sand people seems like one of those words. Some one of those. Like, <laughs> it seems like a slur. It does. I I feel like they're not. Until, like, that's one thing I do like about, oh, we're doing it again. Well, I'm doing it again, talking about the newer Star Wars stuff. I do like seeing more of the sand people and, like, what their culture is like. And them not being just villains, I guess. Mm-hmm. They're not really villains in this one. They're just kind of like, hey, you're in our territory. Get out of here. Why Why are they so protective of their territory? Well, look what happens. <laughs> you know? Well, and and because, because that sounds very reminiscent. Of another group that yeah. was in America. That's why it feels weird calling them sand people. It's just what mm-hmm. again, it's a me thing. It's I I yeah. don't it's it's just a me thing. That's I'm just pointing out things that oh, I see what you mean. I, I hadn't I noticed it... before. As a kid, I was like, oh, the sand people. Oh, they're scary. But now <laughs> as a you know, it's been over, over ten years that I've actually sat down and seen this movie. I'm like, huh, that's interesting. Okay. Uh, you know like the there's definitely like a weird class system like yeah the droids they seem to have feelings and fears but they have owners yeah uh this 3po calls luke his new master yeah master uh, luke yeah che- chewbacca doesn't get a medal even though he was a pi- co-pilot of the millennium falcon mm-hmm. and he's, he's, he a leaving, has a he's a living he's a living being he's and a living being he, of his own free will han doesn't own him or anything it's, no, they're partners. They're partners. So technicality, I guess. I don't. I don't know. It does. It there is a social like yeah. status to this world, and I mean, we, especially we, with the uh, the way that when they're pretending that that uh, Chewbacca is their prisoner. Yeah, the it, guards are like, "Where are you taking this thing?" So oh, there's yeah. de- definitely some racism in Star Wars. Definitely some. Definitely some Nazism <laughs> in that. Where are you? Just, hey, none oh, of the yeah. empires are alien. None of the Imperials are aliens. No, just droid. Oh my. Oh shit. Did you just realize that? Well, I mean, Star Wars later on has like bounty hunters and stuff, but like everyone in the. Yeah, Empire- they're not Imperials though. Like, there's no alien stormtrooper. Oh shit. Oh, I think I just noticed that for the first time. <laughs> there are no aliens. There, I mean, there are a few aliens that are like Sith. I, I mean, obviously Sith, but like Empire, Empire. Yeah, like oh. once, like I'm talking about the the Galactic Empire. Damn, that there's is not a lot of aliens. I think there's one admiral that's like blue, but he's the only alien I can think of when it. I'm thinking of Imperials. It feels like that's definitely a choice. Like we, we get to the Rebels like in this movie, the Rebels are mostly human. But but later uh, on but in future movies, they're Admiral Akbar. Like, he's like a squid dude. <laughs> yeah, and he's he's in charge of his own ship. And uh, oh yeah, like you have a bunch of different like 
races all like in the rebels but holy shit i think i just noticed that like the empire just all people all humans wow yeah okay okay that's you know what obviously there must be some one-off like you mentioned that purple guy or blue guy or whatever but we're talking about numbers right like we're talking about general numbers yeah figures it's also the the elephant in the room i guess that a lot of white people in Star Wars, isn't there? Uh, well, <laughs> yeah, it's this. Movie I don't is, think there's any people of color in this movie. No, 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 not one. <laughs> uh, maybe someone like at the cantina. When you said like there are no aliens, my mind just went to white dudes. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> oh shit, you're right. <laughs> no, but that That's... is look, but that is an intentional decision. I mean, referencing Nazi Germany. Right, like through the uniform. Uh, I think it's it's referencing a lot more than that. I think that's the when we think of fascism, we do tend to think of Nazi Germany, mm-hmm. and they are called stormtroopers. Which I think I think stormtrooper was a that's a German thing. They were there a German storm, thing. There I'm was stormtroopers. Sure I think in World War One. Yeah, I don't think it was specific to World War Two, but I could be wrong. It's interesting that you point that out that there aren't any aliens in the Empire. And I'm like, oh, that's a good point. Like. I think I'm good if when I rewatch these movies now, because I'm going to rewatch Empire and Return of the Jedi, I'm going to definitely keep an eye out. But I subconsciously, you always were aware that Return of the Jedi was more like the, the rebel was way more diverse. Like they had way more mm-hmm. aliens on that side. It's just one of those things that I yeah. guess. I and did. at least two women. <laughs> Leia. And Mon oh. Mothma. Oh, that's the right. The Bothan spies lady. I remember her. Okay. Okay. I, I was like, wait, is it a. Uh... What's her name from Dread or Lara, T- Lara Dern? I was like, wait, no, that's way later. It's <laughs> way later. Way later. Um, no, but the Pays, the Empire, and how they're they're fascist, and the, yeah. they, there's some German imagery and names, and the way they have like Moss Eisley set up, where they've got like checkpoints and stuff. It's like okay, gee, like they they really yeah. sell you on how big the Empire is, even though this is like the first time. That we're being introduced to this world because we know the empire now 45 years later oh yeah the empire is bad right but mm-hmm. like getting a sense of how bad they were audiences didn't really know but now we we are like oh now they're in tatooine they're looking for the droids they've got checkpoints set up they've got spies for them people that are willing to snitch like that one mm-hmm. creature with the long nose or mouth or whatever <laughs> yeah <laughs> like the evil evil uh what's his name alf yeah, <laughs> he looks like Alf, but he's like all black and his nose is longer. Yeah, a little before that, we get the introduction to one of the awesomest characters, the coolest characters of all time, the coolest characters of all time, Han Solo and Chewbacca. They're they're great. They're awesome. Mm-hmm. Han, full of swagger, Chewie, great guy to have around. He's full of swagger, also full of shit. Oh, well, I mean, he is. But he does back it up. Like he, I mean, he, he does. backs it up sometimes. I don't think it's by choice, by 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 skill alone that he backs it up. No, 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 no. no a lot no. of the time, he's talking out of his ass. He does get lucky, but he's got <laughs> skill. But but at the moment, I mean, he's an archetype, and he's and Harrison Ford sells it well. Oh yeah. I you know watching this as a kid, I didn't know there was a whole big commotion about who shot first. It wasn't until high school or college where I was tuned into that. Who shot first? I was like, because even on the VHS, it was so quick. It almost seemed simultaneous, right? Obviously, well, it wasn't. Well, there's history to that. But basically, the theatrical version, it shows Han shooting Greedo under the table after he's like, Greedo threatens to kill him because Han's like not going to give up the Millennium Falcon. 
says mm-hmm. over my dead body. And Greedo's like, that's the idea. I've been looking forward to this moment for a long time. And then Han says, yes, I, I bet, bet you, you have. have. And then he shoots him under the table and he throws some coins to the bartenders saying, sorry about the mess. Yeah. It's like a classic, like Western kind of scene where actually it doesn't, the band keeps playing, but like everyone kind of stops what they're doing and looks over and then they just resume back to like what they were doing. Like no big deal. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like in the Westerns when like they, they're playing the music and then everybody stops and checks gunshot all right back to having a good time this is a normal day for them someone someone dies at this bar every single day someone dies at this bar every five minutes yeah (laughs) greedo was just one of them but as a kid Mm -hmm. i couldn't tell i I mean it's one of those things where i'm like i guess i saw the two laser the blasters but i was like i don't even remember that scene anymore like what i remember as a kid all i know is what i saw yesterday I think the concern was Han Solo is like a good guy and we're making him seem like kind of a bad guy by having him shoot this guy first. So let's make Greedo shoot first. So Han seems like he shot in self-defense. Wait a minute. Why does Greedo miss? Okay, let's let's make Han move his head. So then you have this stupid version on Disney Plus right now where Greedo tries to shoot Han in the head, but Han's head slides and he misses and then Han shoots him. But... Harrison Ford didn't slide. So all of that was done digitally and it looks terrible. So bad. So I keep dancing around this, but I'm just going to briefly mention it. I felt like one of my biggest problems with this movie is that I feel like it was gaslighting me. (laughs) Because again, I saw this movie a ton as a kid, a ton, a ton, a ton. Yeah. And so I'm very familiar with it. Or so I thought. Because now watching the version on Disney Plus, the one that George Lucas, like his final, like this is his cut, the final definitive cut that they are, we are only mm-hmm. ever going to get remasters of, has all these changes to it. And I'm like, wait, wait, was that in the original? I can't remember. And I kept doing that the entire fucking time. I was like, <laughs> wait a second. Was that there? No. Like no the Clone was- Wars, did they, did they talk about that before? Was that, was, was I a kid and I just didn't get it or, or was it? Always there? Wait, were there two? That scene with Jabba wasn't there in the original. Wait, who's this guy? Right. He was never in it. Why is he friends with Luke? It, it, I just. I know oh, he was there in a deleted Biggs? scene. No, Big Dark Letter was there in the movie. In the movie, yeah. At the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, no. But I'm talking at the end. I'm like, who's this guy? I've never met him. We've never met him. Oh uh, well, there's there's actually history to Big's Dark Lighter. We can get into that in the second part yeah. because he used to be in the movie a lot more, but his part was uh, condensed in the theatrical release and subsequent releases. But Big's, I, what but, you saw in that movie is was actually in the theatrical version. I have all the changes made to the theatrical version to Disney Plus version. So the scene where Luke is walking up to the X wing and, and he's, Biggs- he meets Biggs. That's not in the original, is it? It is. It is. No, in the wait, because they. No, that couldn't have been because I. Because then the the guy comes up behind him is like, "Hey, are you sure you could fly this X wing?" It's like that was never there, was it? It was. It was. This, bro. This is exactly what I'm talking about. Gaslighting me the whole fucking time because I, I get it. I get it because I know that I know that there are changes. And I know what I saw as a kid, but now you're showing me this new version. I'm like, I don't yeah. understand. What's real? <laughs> <laughs> What's real? Yeah, that's the thing. Like, he's done this several times. Like, he's done this with, with this movie. I think when they re Because originally this movie was Star Wars, right? And then in 81, it gets the episode four, A New Hope. Like, wait a minute, episode four? Where's one, two, three? When did this happen? 
<laughs> what happened? And then you get the the prequels, and then you have oh, by the way, three PO was made up by Anakin. Anakin would later turn into Darth Vader. So Darth Vader is C three PO's dad, and R two R two met Obi Wan in Episode one. So how come he says I I don't remember this droid, Austin? I'm glad you brought this up because it's also <laughs> my second point, my second issue that I have with this movie. <laughs> the first one being that it's fucking gaslighting me. The second <laughs> one being that because there are nine, there are six other films, or six other mainline Skywalker films, and then you've got a bunch of spinoffs. I can't help but just be like, oh, wait, Han Solo met Lando when he was really young, uh, when Lando was... Uh, was uh, I was gonna say his rapper name Childish Gambino. Childish Gambino. Uh, what what what's his actual name? Um, Donald, Donald Glover. Glover. Oh, and he hooked up with the Dothraki, and then I'm like, oh, wait, Dothraki. Oh, wait, what? You, what breaker of chains? What's that woman? Um, Khaleesi. Khaleesi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, Daenerys Targaryen. I, I was Mother getting, of dragons. Yeah, <laughs> my head was getting all up in itself, and I'm just like, wait, what? I was getting way more confused when he, you said that line. He was like, I don't remember owning this Troy. Are you, are you that C now? He, he, he was with you for years. <laughs> yeah. He was thing Anakin's is, go-to droid. Yeah. You just have to remember that this is a movie. This is a movie. Someone wrote it. They filmed it. There's actors playing the characters and it's been told since the seventies, since 45, yeah. well, 45 years ago. So things have constantly been changing and changing. And then they release more movies that change your interpretation of the, the previous films. I think that's just something that's kind yeah. of frustrating about Star Wars. It's it's part of the, the bag, you know, because even when Disney acquired all of the Star Wars films, there were a bunch of different books that oh, were considered yeah. canon. There are co- comic books and like novelizations. Hey, what happens to, to Luke, Leia, and Han in the future? Well, Han and Leia get married and they have kids, Jason and Jaina. Jason turns into a bad guy. You know, it's... And then Disney bought it and then none of that mattered. It was all like expanded universe, like not canon, Star Wars Legends. And then even in the new trilogy, they did the same thing. It's like, actually, Snoke was the Emperor's clone and we have the Emperor back now. That doesn't make any sense. No. But it's... And and that's and that's the pro- and I think you nailed it right there. It's the baggage that comes with Star Wars, but it's just and look, every franchise is gonna have this. I know Harry Potter fans have their beefs with J.K. about kind of the change that she's made. It's like, oh, that was never how you intended it to be. You know, like something she wrote in book yeah. one or two did not line up with what happened in book seven. That's okay. Uh, writers can change their mind. They can you know rewrite stuff and just eh, don't worry about that because that's not. I'm trying to get at something bigger. I'm sure J.R.R. Tolkien did it. Marvel has done it plenty of times. I understand that. But it's weird because when I go back and watch like the first Iron Man or like the Harry Potter films, it's not as apparent, at least for someone who like never read the books and stuff like that. It's not as apparent. But with Star Wars, I guess just because I have a close attachment to it, I'm just like, wait a second. Some of this doesn't make sense. Like, this is (laughs) out of whack. What's what's happening? And it definitely took me a second to kind of like, pull back from that and just like oh just just let things happen the way they're gonna happen like don't yeah like like anakin like darth vader wanting to destroy kill anakin at the or darth vader wanting to destroy luke's ship at the very end even though he knows that that's his son but it's like you can't think about it too hard but that was my problem i was thinking about it too hard and it kind of made the Mm -hmm. movie in a way a little worse because now I'm dealing with the baggage of 10 other movies <laughs> that George Lucas didn't 
or you know that that are owned by different companies made by different writers and filmmakers and i'm just like well george lucas did write the prequel trilogy I'm, and even was, some of that doesn't line up with the original trilogy true yeah, well exactly yeah with c c3po and r2d2 exactly so you know it's those two things and another one have kind of just it's what i said it kind of just dampened the experience a bit more do you know what i mean like now mm-hmm. i can't help but watch this movie through the lens of someone who has seen the other star wars films and played the other games and someone who knows about george lucas tampering with this property <laughs> and i'm just like i'm aware of all these changes but now i don't know what's real and what's not i have to go out pull the vhs player go get the vhs tapes and watch the movie and it's like oh that's the actual that's the thing you know <laughs> and and bro we've mentioned this before and this is a concern that we've brought up Right. And I don't think people understand just kind of how people can take advantage of it. Companies can take advantage of it because now this this version on Disney Plus is the definitive version of Star Wars, meaning the VHS we got aren't the definitive. Right. And VHSs Mm -hmm. are going to go like they're not going to work after a certain time. And we've mentioned this before, but because everything is streaming and now you have like the ultimate cuts and stuff like that. I mean, far out enough, you know, Disney could say, no, this is the actual version of Star Wars. This, what are you talking about? There was no other version of it. And OK, look, maybe with Star Wars, maybe they might not get away with it. But something else that maybe was a little bit more racist, something that wasn't as pleasant in Disney's catalog. I don't know. I think they could go back. I think they could go back and censor some of that shit and say, no, that never happened. This is this is the mm-hmm. real Song of the South, you know? Yeah. It, I do think that the original versions should remain available. And thankfully they have because some fans are so dedicated to these movies. They've they've taken like the, the re-releases and everything and they've combined them with the old stuff. So there's a, a YouTube channel that it compares the scenes uh, from the re-release, the remaster and everything to something that resembles a theatrical cut. And it looks really good because with remasters, you know, you'd want, all right, maybe the lighting wasn't the best in this scene and we can use digital technology to make it better, which I think is fine. Mm -hmm. It's when you start adding stuff in that wasn't there before where it's like, wait a minute, this is weird. I think the one that is the worst, just because it makes the movie seem like a little redundant, is after Han has that conversation with Greedo, he goes to the Millennium Falcon and he meets Jabba. And oh my god, I hate that same, scene. The same conversation like plays itself over. It doesn't really add anything to the story. It adds nothing. It, it literally adds nothing. He says the same thing. He says, oh, how am I supposed to trust you if you drop your cargo the first sign of trouble? Even I get boarded sometimes. I didn't have a choice. And he says that again to Jabba the Hutt. It's and literally this, line for line what he says. To line Greedo. for line. And you have Boba Fett there who was not... The thing is that oh scene was God. that scene was actually filmed with actors. Jabba mm-hmm. was not always like a slug monster. He was just like a Scottish guy who's you know, mm-hmm. you know, he's a bad guy and he's like, "Hey, Solo, what are you doing? Come on. You're my favorite. Don't be blowing this again." It's, you know, stupid stuff like that. Yeah. 20% with both a Scottish accent. And there's a moment where Han like walks behind him. So in this version, you have Han step on Jabba's tail it's like this weird because the way Han is when you're stepping on something you, you're going to be higher right because you're stepping mm-hmm. on something and on, on it and over it so the way Han moves looks a little, looks really weird and it makes Jabba look like a bitch 
Yeah. Because he's like stepping on your tail and Jabba just lets it go. If I'm a crime lord and some dude steps over my tail. Oh, no. With all my homies there? With Boba Fett there? Your ass <laughs> is mine. And yeah. it it's redundant. It's just it's weird characterization for Jabba. And it just doesn't look good. Like the CGI does no. not look good. Jabba so, looks terrible. It's so clear that Boba Fett is not really there. Like they added him in. When they originally shot this scene. And they, you know why they added him there. in there? Because of fucking fans who cannot get over the costume. They That's what it is. They just love the costume. They don't like the character. They just want the costume. <laughs> it's and it, I'll give them that. What character? <laughs> it's, it's one of the baddest fucking costume I love it. armor ever. I ever. probably have more Boba Fett's than anything else. Yeah. In my... There's a chance that Boba Fett has outsold potentially most of the Star Wars characters outside of Darth Vader. (laughs) Because his armor is badass. But his inclusion in that scene, whack. Oh, it's fucking terrible. Like if if you're watching it for the first time, it's it's a redundant scene and Boba Fett's not going to bother you. But if you're someone like people like us who've seen these movies like before they were tampered with to this extent, it's like a reminder that like, hey... That movie that you like to watch when you were a kid, you can't find it anymore. This is what you this is what you got. It's so it's such a terrible scene. The changes that they made were mostly for the worst. Yeah, because when they get to when they get to Moss Eisley, <sighs> right, which is a wretched hive of scum and villainy, you see in these Jawas riding this this dinosaur, but they lose control of it. You're seeing these robot this robot punch another robot. It's just like really not what you'd expect when you hear the words scum and villainy bro you know even even from a even from just a presentation point of view when they're pulling up on their speeder and the stormtroopers are walking up to it the shot is literally blocked by a fucking animal there's like a good yeah. two to five seconds where you can't see them it's just a fucking like dinosaur or something. dinosaur that's covering the camera who okayed that that's not good like that's that's just not just the dumbest fucking i just i i got pissed at that because okay <laughs> java doesn't look good fine cgi can only go so far right but the, the presentation of it it still looks good they don't do anything stupid and here you're just saying oh i'm gonna cover this shot with a dinosaur <laughs> what i just i lo- i got so angry I got so angry looking at it's that. It's so funny that you're angry about it, a dinosaur being CGI'd in a movie. No, no, it's not the it's not the dinosaur that's being CGI'd that upsets me. It's just the fact that it's so ugly to look at. You're literally covering <laughs> up 90% of the frame to just show us this creature that has nothing to do with it. It's just to it's just atmosphere. But it's like you you already did that the first time. When I was a kid, I understood the atmosphere that Moss Eisley was putting out. Yeah, you get to the the cantina bar, and you see all these aliens looking so different from each other. You see fucking Satan in the bar for some reason. <laughs> you get it. You understood it. You didn't need all this. And then he's like, "I'm going to make this shot worse, and I'm going to cover it with a dinosaur." <laughs> it, it's just like like it's it's such an i don't even want to say amateur it's like worse than college film school it's like high school video class bad where it's like uh-huh. you had a good shot why did you have a giant fucking dinosaur walk across the frame and cover it up completely and it it makes the scene longer too because <sighs> i think before you see the scum and villainy and then they drive to the 
the bar and they're like, um, you got to watch out here. And then they go into the bar. But now you're seeing them like kind of drive through the whole Moss Eisley. You're seeing the bumbling town, which is fine, but it doesn't add anything to the movie. It just makes you feel like the world is lived in. But we already got that when we saw what was happening with the Jawas, what was happening with the moisture farming, you know? Nobody was complaining about that in the original. Yes, would we like more, more Moss Eisley? Yeah, but do it well. And I think the problem is it goes on way too long and it just doesn't look good. Like No, because like it was all that... added with like 2007-ish CGI. And it, doesn't look, and it doesn't look good. And Austin, you know me. I have said this on this podcast plenty of times i don't like to harp on cgi too much because hey technology is always getting better like mm-hmm. robocop ed209 yeah. not that great in terms of visuals but it's still it's still it's still great to look it at works. and yeah. it works and i love it it still gets the job done but damn why'd you have to go in and fuck this up <laughs> I, you this had is- a slam dunk and you made it worse yeah i think what we also with uh, robocop is they knew the limitations of their technology so it's like okay we're gonna hide this part you know as best mm-hmm. we can we're gonna have a life-size model but he's not gonna move around very much he's just gonna be there so that we get a sense of how big this character is in star wars there's life-size models of the ships that they're flying in so we get a sense of how they look compared to the characters but when they're flying they're not really against anything for us to to point out that oh that's fake Right. Even with the way the land speeder moves like you're there's when you're seeing characters in the land speeder and they're driving around Moss Eisley or they're driving around a terrain that we've been in. There's always a side of the land speeder that's off frame. Right. Mm-hmm. It's only that, like that weird mat where you see the land speeder floating. And because yeah. of that, that shot, we understand, oh, this thing floats. So mm-hmm. we fill in when we don't when we see it in other shots that, oh, it's floating. But in reality, that thing is like on a mechanical device that's keeping it up. And they're, they framed it so that you can't see it. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? No, no, it does. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. They understand the how to use technology. Yeah. So the stuff that looks fake, you don't really see it against other things that look real. And they knew this back in 77. I don't know why George is obsessed with going back and fixing or trying to fix it and trying to add a bunch of stuff that wasn't there and that wasn't needed. You already did the work in 77, George. You did a good <laughs> well, job then, George. Why are you fucking it up? I don't think it's fair to, to just blame George, George Lucas, because I'm not on a first name basis with him. But I'm I think calling he's somebody who, I, has, who has a lot of ideas. We'll get into this in the second one because mm-hmm. he's a guy with a lot of ideas. Yes. And the limitations of filming and the cast and the crew and the producers and all of his friends are like, George, you can't do all of it. Let's try to make this one movie. And I think through this collaborative process, you got something really good. And now when you're... A billionaire, not a billionaire, like a multimillionaire. No, no, he's a billionaire. I I guess he did get a billion. Okay, all right. THX, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, when you're this successful and you're like, man, I had so many ideas back then. Why don't I just make them happen? Who's going to tell you no? I still blame it on him. (laughs) I still, I think, look, man, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Because I'm sure a lot of filmmakers would love to go back and like, you know what? Maybe I could make this better because computer technology has gotten so good now that you could essentially do that. Most people yeah. don't because they realize, eh, just move past it. Get over it. Why is this man constantly making changs to these movies that were, reve- that were fucking a 
adored when they came out. They're still adored. Mm-hmm. It's like, and you're making them clearly worse. Like you're ruining yeah. the pace. You're ruining the flow. It's redundant. It's ugly. That dinosaur shot is one of the worst things I've ever seen. It's, oh my God. I mean, God. it's not, I don't, I don't think it's good. I think it's bad, but I don't think it ruins it because I know that that's, that's was added on afterwards. Like I know the story. So I'm looking at that. And I'm kind of laughing. Like it's frustrating, but it's kind of funny that like, why would you think that this was good? It bugs you know? me because that's exactly and the reasoning. It's like so much money think- was spent on putting all that stuff in there too. Like animators sitting there like, all right, it's, the scales need to move this way. All right, this jaw is going to drop here. Oh shit, there's a guy walking there. What am I going to do? And in different versions of that scene, it, it looks really bad the first time. Like 97 cut, it looks so bad. Yeah, and, and again, I don't, really bad. I don't know why he's obsessing over it. I mean, I understand having like a direct, having a studio cut and having a director's cut. Like how many cut versions are there of Blade Runner? But I don't hold it against Ridley Scott because, I mean, his cut is very different from the theatrical. And he's not focused on, oh, well, we need to add CGI here to make this better. He's like, the work's been done there. It, it, you know what I'm getting rid of? I'm getting rid of that stupid voiceover. Or I'm tightening up the ending, or I'm leaving it ambiguous, or I'm adding this little thing that if you if you know what I'm referencing can change the entire context of the story. <laughs> Boom! The original theatrical cut ends with him ends with Harrison Ford and Rachel in the car as they're escaping. In the new one, they get in the elevator. You don't know what they're you don't know what the conclusion is. Now we know because of Blade Runner 2049. But those are things. Those are artistic differences that he went in and changed the actual cut here you're just adding cgi bluff that is not needed that i think actively hurts the film and I, oh definitely makes it worse but yeah. it's just a shame because the accessibility of being able to watch something on disney plus is incredible a beautiful amazing streaming is an amazing piece of technology that i i think we're all the better for it but when you've got <laughs> stuff like this where it's just like that's a different discussion, but it's a different, yeah. But I want to be able to watch the original one, the one that I saw as a kid, and the one that I think is better. That yeah, maybe not a hundred percent, but you know. Oh I, yeah, well I, there there are like I said, fan edits that do try to replicate that mm-hmm. for you. It's just unfortunate that it's not available yeah. as easily as this version is, but. That's why we do this podcast, right? That's why we do this podcast. Which is which is why I was saying I have less to say about the movie and just more about <laughs> the, the well, things. Well, let's get around. on with it because I'm tired of talking about this dinosaur. We talked about it for like 10 minutes. I hate the fucking dinosaur. But Moss <laughs> okay. um, Eisley, yeah. And then we get into them entering Aldron and getting sucked up by the Death Star. And it, all this still looks great. Like, I just, I love the design kind of like the, the the way the Death Star is like set up and the way it's revealed to the characters. Ah, it's just, it's fantastic. Stand by, Chewie. Here we go. Cutting the sublight engines. Ah, uh, we come out of hyperspace with a nuclear shower. Some kind of asteroid collision. Not on any of the charts. What's going on? Our position's correct, except no alder on. What do you mean? Where is it? So I'm trying to tell you, kid, it ain't there. It's totally blown away. What? How? Destroyed by the Empire. The entire Starfleet couldn't destroy the whole planet. It'd take a thousand ships with more firepower than I've... There's another ship coming in. Maybe they know what happened. It's an Imperial fighter. He's followed us! No, it's a short-range fighter. If there are any bases around here, where did it come from? 
I'm sure is leaving in a big hurry. If they identify us, we're in big trouble. Not if I can help it. Chewy jam its transmissions. It would be as well to let it go. It's too far out of range. Not for long. Fighter that size couldn't get this deep into space on its own. He must have gotten lost, been part of a convoy or something. Well, he ain't gonna be around long enough to tell anybody about us. Look at him, he's heading for that small moon. I think I can get him before he gets there. He's almost in range. That's no moon. It's a space station. It's too big to be a space station. I have a very bad feeling about this. Turn the ship around. The the noise the sound effects too. Like all the oh, ships yeah. sound different. Like the way the Millennium Falcon sounds when it's taking off, it's like, oh, I remember that, you know? And the the TIE fighters, the, the way the different guns sound, like you can tell which gun is shooting based off of just the sound effect. You could probably do a listening challenge and a lot of people would get that stuff right. You know, like, oh, which is the next wing? You'd hear it a few times like, oh, I think it's that one. Maybe not 100%, but there's enough in the mix where you're like, oh, that's the that's the Millennium Falcon, you know? And, oh, that's a blaster and that's a lightsaber being turned on, you know? It's, man, the sound effects in this movie are amazing. One of the things that I loved about this scene was when they get out of light speed and they first arrive where Aldrin's supposed to be there and, you know, it's the debris from the planet after it was blown up you get that pov shot just seeing all the debris hit the hit like the you know the, the ship and stuff i don't know why but i always loved seeing that because it made me feel like i was in the millennium falcon you know what i mean yeah like just that's something that i appreciated a lot more in this movie was the cinematography i don't think mm-hmm. i appreciated it as a kid but now i'm like that's a beautiful looking shot oh the way they incorporate povs and kind of how they stay far apart sometimes and get get Nice low angles, especially like on Vader, because he's really tall. It's like, nice oh yeah, little... getting those low angles makes him seem even taller. Oh yeah, hundred percent. It makes him way more intimidating. Yeah, no, just the cinematography and that POV shot from the Millennium Falcon was like, oh shit, I, I'm there, I'm doing it. And I think what stuck with me more is that I've played games where I've manned the Millennium Falcon and I've held, I've had like <laughs> the POV, you know, like you know, like that and perspective. You, yeah, yeah. Where you're like you're at the very front of the ship and you've got the console in front of you, and I was like, oh. Oh, this brings I'm back here. this brings back memories. I don't oh. know if you remember Shadows of the Empire. Yes, yes. And, like you're not flying the Millennium Falcon, but it looks like it, and I bet you they did that on purpose. <laughs> Dash Rendar. Dash is Rendar, the main character, who's yeah. like not Han Solo, but he's kind of like Han Solo. He knows Han Solo. <laughs> he's he doesn't like Boba Fett either, and Boba Fett is a boss fight in that game. Oh. It really, I think this movie does a really good job of setting you in that world. And things that are amazing and surprising are amazing and surprising to the characters. It's so like you get to, they get to Alderaan and it's been blown up. And from the, the context, from the, the characters talking, you know that that's never happened before. So that the fact that this Death Star is around blowing up planets is a big deal huge deal and they're, they're they're even saying it's impossible not even a hundred ships could do that and it's like no just a thousand one. ships a thousand ships yeah and also in star wars rogue, rogue squadron i uh, used to play that i think on the nintendo 64 yeah. man you put up the you you get in the cockpit view <laughs> and it is just incredible and when you're flying like in between the buildings and over the valleys of the desert oh, oh just, yeah man oh. Oh, you can you can fly those ships in the Battlefront games now. Yeah, yeah. But 
Yeah, I, I think that the reason why it just feels so good is because so much work was put into making you feel like you're in this world. You said it, the sound, the choice of shots, right? They're all... Not, they're... not just that. It's like, what, what do you do on the Millennium Falcon? Well, there's a chessboard here, and there's these two gunner seats that are separated by this ladder. You know what I mean? Like, it feels like someone took time to figure out how this ship is going to feel, what the hallways look like, and stuff stuff to do when you're bored on the Falcon. And that's because George Lucas is a guy with a lot of ideas. A lot of ideas. Maybe too many ideas, but at least he has them. Yeah. So there's a place to... to someone to reference when it's like okay how do we make this thing sound how do you make this thing look well and it just even if he you know maybe he didn't add everything but he hired the right team he put the right team together who assembled mm-hmm. all the right pieces i mean i don't i'm sure if it were up to him the music would not sound the way it does but he knew who to hire john williams and that dude or somebody knew somebody who knew who was working on star wars knew who to hire exactly the um, from the technical and from the story stuff they really include you in this world and i mean to, that was the movie that's what the movie was doing for so long in the first 40 minutes yes we're on this desert planet what are we doing not too much but you're getting accustomed to the world you're seeing all the yeah. things you're seeing different creatures how they work what's their social status what do they do the jawas they were you know they they take metal robotic parts shop them out yeah. you know the, the the sand people oh, that feels weird to say <laughs> but it's fine it's I know. Slur. I know. I know. It's just it's me, you know. But the sand <laughs> people, what are they doing? They're in the desert. You don't fuck with them because they will fuck with you. Mos Eisley, all these beautiful little details. Yeah. And then what happens when the Empire comes along? They burn everything down. Even though you're not hurting. Like the Jawas were not doing anything, really. They were like picking stuff up and selling it. Maybe some of it was stolen. But they're just living, you know. They're just hanging out in their big, big van. They're just and trying then, to get by. And then the stormtroopers just kill all of them. Uncle Owen and Aunt Beru were making some weird smoothie and then she gets cooked. Like, why? They weren't hurting. They were out of it. Like, I think Luke even says that if there was like a bright shining star at the center of the universe, this planet is the furthest away from it. And this is what they do. They blow up. They do this and blow up planets. Like, it really, it really sets up. It sets you in this world pretty well. So if it's the first time you're watching it, you're not missing anything. You don't need to watch prequels or read about something, watch the show beforehand. You know, it's it's all packed into this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's no, it's absolutely 100 percent. And you know what? Talking about the the new ones, um, <laughs> something that I felt like the new ones didn't have uh, that the Force Awakens, Last Jedi, Rise of Skywalker didn't have. They didn't have. The solid trio. Do you know what I mean? Meaning that all these adventures, all these blockbusters or stories or journeys need like you need a good group of people, right? That are like solid friends. I always think of Avatar The Last Airbender. You had like your main trio or in season two, your four, your, your group of four. And they're like your main team, right? Harry Potter, obviously Ron, Hermione, Harry, you know, in Lord of the Rings, you've got the Fellowship. That kind of breaks up into smaller groups. So you got Sam and Frodo. You get what I'm saying. Something that I felt that the new trilogy didn't have was that solid group. It didn't have like that trio that like operated at the same level that like you really fell in love with. You know, like I don't even think um, Oscar Isaac's character Poe Dameron meets Rey until the end of Last Jedi. Mm -hmm. Which is insane because she's the lead character and he's like one of the leads he's like the Han you're following Solo. his story for for quite a bit in that movie 
Yeah. I don't know. I think uh, it's not I until Rise of Skywalker in... where, yeah, we, no. where where they're all hanging out. And I'm like, you should have been doing this since Force Awakens. I disagree. I disagree. And I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. Why? The, what's the best one in the original trilogy? Empire Strikes Back. And how long are they together in that one? Yeah, but that's because they spent time <laughs> together in the first one. They mm-hmm. And that's and that's what I'm saying. You could split the groups up. There's a few episodes in season two of Avatar where the main group is split apart, but you've had the rapport with them and they get together and they have fun and adventures together. Force Awakens never had that. It was always. Yeah, you think like Poe is dead for like the middle of that movie. Yeah. And and there and you don't get the tree that you don't get the trio until the third final film of the trilogy here. Yeah. In Empire. Empire is great. I still prefer Empire. They're not together, oh, yeah. but they literally spend the last half of this movie together, like all of them. Yeah. And that's what I love about this movie is that when they go to rescue Leia in the detention center, you know, they're still trying to figure themselves out and they're meeting Leia for the first time, but they already have like a chemistry, like a rapport. Like, well, you know who Leia is before you they meet her. Yeah, and and it works really great because you you you've met Han, you know him, you've met Leia, you know her, Luke, and once you put them together, it's like, oh, I know exactly what this is gonna look like, and it plays out great. Like their chemistry, she's not taking his shit, he's being he's being a little sassy. <laughs> Luke's just trying not <laughs> to get shot. Can't get out that way. Looks like you managed to cut off her only escape route. Maybe you'd like it back in your cell, your highness. <laughs> C-3-2, C-3-2. Are there any other ways out of the cell bay? We've been cut off! There isn't any other way out! They have really good chemistry together, but I, th- I think that they're they are characters independent of each other. They don't define each other. They're you know what I mean. And I think that's what makes them great. I mean, you could say the same thing about Ron, Hermione, and Harry, right? Like that's another trio. They don't yeah they're independent of each other, but they're great when the three of them are together. But that's why when they separate, it's the story doesn't fall ap- apart. You know, right. Empire Strikes Back. I always felt like I missed that trio. You know, and I'm not saying every movie needs a trio. Obviously not, you know, but it is like a, a writing thing, a tropey thing. You know, you've got to have your solid group, you know. I, th- I think it would be a problem if, uh, I don't know, because I think the second one is the best one of the, the sequel trilogy. And it's the one where they're all apart. But I'm not like bored in any of their, their s- separate stories. You know, I feel like we didn't really understand who Poe was until... Until that movie, right? Because in Force Awakens, he's just good pilot. And I agree with you. I I do like The Last Jedi out of the three. But there was no moment where I felt like there were any moments where they were sitting down and they were talking about things that had happened. You know, like there's that scene where Luke sees Obi-Wan get killed in front of him and Leia goes to comfort him, you know? And it's like they're fighting off these TIE fighters, the four of them. Thank you. 
they're shouting mm-hmm. to each other. Oh, there's one at the corner. There's one in your six or something like that. And like, great shot, kid. Don't get cocky. Stuff like <laughs> that. And I felt like the... They're friends. I didn't get that too much in the news one. And even though they do that exact same scene when Poe and Finn are in the TIE fighter in the very yeah. beginning, but it doesn't feel the same. But to be fair, that could be like a nostalgia thing. Like that could just I be... I think it is a nostalgia thing. I, I don't think Force Awakens is good. I, I think it's all right. I think um, it's uh, JJ's best movie. Oh, no, 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 no. Uh, well, <laughs> I'll, I have to look at his film. I wasn't too crazy about Mission Impossible 3. But I mean, this is this is we're getting sidetracked in the Star Wars episode, dude. I mean, this this always happens, uh, especially usually we get distracted by Star Wars. Yeah, but I don't know. My biggest criticism about Force Awakens real quick is just that it's too much like a new hope. And I mean, like it literally is like plot wise. It is. Yeah. And I mean, to be (laughs) fair, Star Wars has a great plot, like a new hope. Great plot. Straightforward. Easy to comprehend. Really interesting stuff to look at. But it's dramatic. You got the the hero's mentor who dies, vanishes, but he's still mm-hmm. guiding him. And it's, it's it's great. It's overall fantastic. And for me, the movie gets a real jolt of energy when Leia meets Han and Luke. Like when she comes into the film with them, she brings it. And it's just like, yeah, it, someone has not, to save our hides. It's not that the movie was losing traction, but it's just that it got that extra boost when she came in. And you're just like, oh, yeah. oh OK, now we're in it. We're back in it. Like shit's hitting the fan. People know mm-hmm. that they're there. They're going in through all these different, like, they're just getting out of one shitty situation into another. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's great. And, like, her chemistry with Han and with Luke, that's another thing that hasn't aged well. Luke and Leia. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's clearly into her. Oh. Clearly into her. Okay, so earlier on, I said I had three problems with the movie. Not problems, but complaints. And one funny thing about the film. Here's the funny thing. Mm-hmm. Luke is mad horny for leia this dude this dude Ooh, he wants her because the moment he sees that little hologram of her he goes wow he's like he it's like he's slobbering <laughs> who's that oh my it's like, god it's not that bad he's just saying wow she's beautiful because he's an 18 year old girl or he's an 18 year old boy living on a moisture farm not a lot of friends <laughs> well it's just funny given what we know of the franchise right that they're yes. siblings it's just funny and i was like man well look yes is he into her but there were definitely moments where i'm like damn bro like chill that oh where was it where was it um when when uh han is talking to to leia and he's like i'm in it for the money and she's like your friend is some mercenary seems like only he only cares about money not anyone and then Luke's like, well, I care. And then he talks to Hans like, hey, what do you think of her? <laughs> You're talking about that scene, right? No, no, no. I was talking about, well, okay, that seems funny. And it does it does further prove my point that this boy's mad horny for her. But the one scene that had me dying. Because, okay, when he first sees the hologram, he's like, oh, my God, she's beautiful. She's a mm-hmm. princess? <gasps> Whoa. We got to find her. We got to help her. Who's this Obi-Wan? The scene that I'm referring to is when they're like in that like control room by the by the Millennium Falcon when it's docked in mm-hmm. the Death Star. And R2-D2 scanning is like, oh, I found Princess Leia. She's in the detention center. And then Luke's like, what? The princess is here? It's like you're this- exaggerating this. So I'm much. exaggerating. But that was the exact energy I got. He's like, the princess is here. What? We got to rescue her. I was just like, damn, bro. Like. <laughs> I, look, I get it, but 
you gotta relax, man. You're yeah. You're in the Death Star. If you're in some place called the Death Star, getting your dick wet is the last thing that needs to be oh, on your God. mind. I'm sorry, you can't. Well, I th- I think the the tone of the movie is kind of light. Like they yeah. are on the Death Star, but the stormtroopers are kind of dumb. Oh, they're very. You know dumb. what I mean? Like they're so and this. Ugh, my favorite. One of my favorite things. It's not even the stormtroopers. It's Darth Vader. When they they capture the Millennium Falcon and Darth Vader is like, hmm, I sense something. It's a presence I have not felt since. And then he just walks away. Yeah. That that scene is so funny to me. Like, you know, you know, your boy is on this ship and you're just like walking away, letting him escape. You know what I mean? It was it was definitely funny. The, The scene that was funniest for me was when Han's chasing the stormtroopers. And, and they they're out- running away from him. They uh, outnumber him and he's they're running away from him. Oh, something that I thought was also funny that I just noticed for the first time was when Ben Kenobi's turning off the tractor beam. Yeah. You have the two stormtroopers talking about the talking about the speeder that Luke mentioned earlier. <laughs> he's like, oh, yeah, I heard that. I heard that new TX something something. Is it really the same speeder? I think it's the same speeder. I think I know. I could be wrong, but I definitely They're just talking that. about some new piece of technology. And I'm like, oh, yeah, it's really something. <laughs> I thought it was the same speeder. It could be the same speeder. I'll have to go and check, but I was laughing because it's like, yeah, I mean, it makes sense. It's not like these are, you, you know, like trained killers it's, or they are trained killers, they, but yeah, they're, they're just, on the job. They're, they're numbers, you know, yeah. the way that the, the Imperials argue with each other is really funny. It's like, I have to be the one that's in control. I have to be the one that's right. <laughs> uh, like there's there's this argument in the war room where oh, yeah. one of the guys is like, Okay, this the Senate is not going to be okay with us capturing a senator. And the other guy's like, "It doesn't matter. We are the Empire. <laughs> they they will, will not do anything. Nothing can nothing can stop this battle station. It is the supreme force in the galaxy." And then Darth Vader is like, "Well, you know, this ship don't this technical terror you've constructed is nothing compared to the Force." And then he's like mouthing off to Vader, like, "Oh, don't fool us with your sorcerer's ways. Your your sad devotion to your ancient religion is." cannot help you find the plans or your clairvoyance cannot find the rebel base and then he gets like choked with the sound that i will remember for the rest of my life (laughs) fear will keep the local systems in line fear of this battle station and what of the rebellion if the rebels have obtained a complete technical readout of this station it is possible however unlikely that they might find a weakness and exploit it the plans you refer to will soon be back in our hands. Any attack made by the rebels against this station would be a useless gesture, no matter what technical data they've obtained. This station is now the ultimate power in the universe. I suggest we use it. Don't be too proud of this technological terror you've constructed. The ability to destroy a planet is insignificant next to the power of the Force. Don't try to frighten us with your sorcerer's ways, Lord Vader. Your sad devotion to that ancient religion has not helped you conjure up the stolen data tapes, or given you clairvoyance enough to find the rebels' hidden fort. I find your lack of faith disturbing. Enough of this. Vader, release him. As you wish. Whenever Vader chokes people, like that dude in the very beginning of the film, or this guy in the war room, yeah, that those sound effects have stayed with me. Where he's just like, yeah, it's 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 like really bassy and it's like 
and like the way the guy's neck is moving around yeah it's like dude you know his powers why are you doing this i'll say this that dude is acting his heart out because i definitely (laughs) thought that he was getting choked i mean yeah i mean think about it practically some dude's holding up his hand pretending to choke you and you have to play along and this dude was selling it because as a kid i was like yeah oh my god stop it stop it (laughs) (laughs) oh it was it's Shout out to that guy. I don't think that guy gets yeah. enough credit. <laughs> and when this... and when he breathes, when he take, finally takes a breath, breath breath of air, you know, he's just like, yeah. <gasps> you know, and he hits the table and he's just like gasping. Is he sold it? Mm-hmm. That was great. Then there's those dumb stormtroopers that like they find R two and three PO on the Death Star, and then three PO's <laughs> like, oh, they're madmen. They went that way, and the stormtroopers all leave except for the one, <laughs> and then. It feels like, oh, this guy's still here. Do you mind if I take my friend to the maintenance? His systems are frazzled. And the stormtrooper's like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> like, are you joking me? And, and that's, a great thing. that's a great thing about this movie is that it's equal parts exciting, fun, but it's also silly. And it, it I mean, it's it, really silly. And, and it works I, great for children. It works great for adults, too. I oh, think because yeah. I'm I'm still laughing at this stuff. Yeah, I know it was unintentional. But like the stormtrooper that bonks his head on the door. Oh, yeah. <laughs> still gets me. And I yeah. think one of the they've added a lot of things to this movie. But adding the sound effect to the stormtrooper bonking his head is probably the, the best thing that they ever did. Did you know they added that sound? <laughs> I know that I noticed it. I didn't know if it was within the original or not. Now I'm just even like, oh, fuck. Was it in the original? I can't tell. It was not because it was an outtake. It was something that fans noticed and were like, ah, look at the stormtrooper. He bonks his head. So instead of <laughs> instead of making it so that he never bonks his head, they added a sound effect for when he does. I love that. All that's great. And going into the final act is fantastic. Like the setup, you know, you've got the plans. Yeah. Um, and, and they, I, reveal, they reveal they, his exhaust thing i do like the the crude like computer graphics that you see in the movie mm-hmm. like i guess it's not really a computer but when they're playing chess on the millennium falcon and you see like the the stop motion creatures move around i feel like the hologram technology looks dated right mm-hmm. but every piece of technology in this world looks like it was made from the 70s mm-hmm. and their their computer screens how it's just like two colors like when they're targeting the stormtrooper, targeting the the fighters and everything, it looks really crude. But I think it all ties into the same like visual aesthetic. Does that make sense? No, hundred percent. You know what I was thinking of? Alien. Alien does the exact yeah. same thing. The original yeah. one, uh, the original one by Ridley Scott. It seems all archaic, but it's all uniform, and it still has that high tech like quality to it. Granted, mm-hmm. it's high tech with low tech. If that makes sense. Yeah. I don't know how they pulled it off, but it works. And Star Wars does the exact same thing. Yeah. It like it makes sense in that world. Like you can't compare our world with our technology to, to this one. Mm-hmm. Right. Like they have this comm link that connects C-3PO to, to the rest of the group when they're running around the Death Star. And then you have to turn it on and off. And it's like this really weird device. Whereas nowadays, I feel like they would just have a, an earpiece that's just like in your ear and I don't know. It it feels more like I think sometimes limitations of technology that you're aware of influences the kind of things that you make in a sci-fi world. Mm-hmm. And I think over time, those weird depictions of science fiction are like 
they become charming, I guess is the word. Yeah, yeah, 100%. No, they're absolutely charming is the right word for it. Because it, you look back and it's like, yeah, has that aged well because of how far we've come in technology in the real world and this was made in the 70s, but it's the future? It's like, no, but there's a quality to it that you could look back. It's like, oh, that's cool. Like, that's a nice piece of tech, you know? Yeah. I I love that. I know I get exactly what you're saying. It's charming is the perfect word for it. And the thing is, too, those computer graphics, like the ones that like for the display that are used for the displays, like they tell you clearly what what they're like. You could clearly see what it's what they're referring to, but it's yeah. abstract enough to make it seem futuristic. Like, for example, when they're in the Millennium Falcon and they're on the turrets, you know, yeah. they have that weird little panel thing. Right. Like you don't know what that's actually referring to. Like it's the direction of the gun, but it's just abstract enough where it's like, oh, that looks futury, even though mm-hmm. really it's just a gun on like a little mini dolly just going back yeah. and forth. Like there's nothing really <laughs> techy about it. When they're going over the plans too, like there's a, a battle station where it kind of looks like, like a Navy battle station, but just a little bit different. Like, mm-hmm. and the, the clock that they have is like one of my favorite things when they can tell when the Death Star is in range. Yeah, using the, of, pla- using like the, like you could see like the planet shifting over. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love that. No, it's little, just little stuff like that. That looks great. That final battle, man, it has aged so well considering. Yeah. I mean, yeah, by today's standards, does it look as fun and exciting as that and as intricate as what they did in Skywalker or Rise of Skywalker? No. Even in Return of the Jedi, like that space battle is like light years ahead of what you see in, in uh, A New Hope. But New Hope has still aged well. Yeah, because you there's certain things you need to understand for an action scene, like when characters are in danger and uh, what they are in danger of. Mm-hmm. like there's a moment when they're running the Death Star Trench where the turrets are firing at them but then they stop and then Darth Vader comes out and just killing everybody Yeah, and then it happens again so that when it happens when Luke does the, the run and the turrets stop you get the feeling that he's in danger now mm-hmm. it's simple stuff and you don't need to film crazy like flying maneuvers to, to get that, that no. feeling and honestly something that I noticed this time watching it this time was that there aren't that many ships like at the end of rise of skywalker you've got thousands of ships in the air both from senator or palpatine controlling them to mm-hmm. all the good guys that came in it, it's literally like a vomit of ships right yeah. like like just there's so many ships here you probably have at most 30 40 they say ships. 30 ships 30 ships and that's from the from the rebel side so yeah. from the empire maybe another 30 so like 60 at most but there aren't any real big ones. It's just X-Wing, TIE Fighters, Y-Wings, uh, whatever uh, Vader flies. Inter- I think he flies an Interceptor. Could be wrong, though. I think he might just have a unique ship. Yeah. It, he, yeah. And so it's like, it's simple. It's great. But it's still really exciting to watch. And one of the most exciting things that have has always stayed in my mind and will always stay in my mind until the day I die is the POV shot. Of oh, the yeah. X-Wing going into the trench, right? Oh, yeah, I love Where that. I, I just, it bl- blows my mind. Like, every time I see that movement, like, the camera, you, it's just up at the very tip of the ship, and it's... You see the turrets, like, firing lasers over it and everything? Yeah, and then it just kind of wobbles once it enters the trench. 
right? You know, yeah. like there's that little slight wobble. Like it's not clean. Mm-hmm. It's not like it's going yeah. straight through the trench. There's that it's little... almost like they were filming something and then they had to cut to something else. And they used that like flash of light with the wobble to like hide, oh, they did. hide they, the cut. They did. Yeah, yeah. They they definitely did that because there's like a different. That's one of the things that hasn't aged was like they're they're using two different cameras. Right. And they're mm-hmm. using the flashing lights from the turrets to kind of mask it. But it works really well. But that mm-hmm. little wobble just sells like how light these ships are, but also how tight the trench is and how dangerous. Yeah. I just, and it sells like the momentum and the speed of the ships. It just. Yeah. I'm going to die thinking about that shot. <laughs> <laughs> and it, the, the ships at that point are just flying straight. Yeah. You know, it's not really like exciting flying maneuvers, but with the dialogue in between them, like gold leader standing by, I can't yeah. shake them. Stay you know, on all, Mars. All that shit. What's the stay on? Stay on target. Stay on target. They're too close. <laughs> stay on, on target. target. You know what that reminded me of? They and came sh- from behind. <laughs> Final battle is incredible. And it still gets me when Luke yeah. overhears Obi-Wan and when Han comes in. Yeah. That's that's the that's the point where I'm like, all right, you nailed this shit. This is great. Yeah. The guy who pretended to be all about the money and all about the himself was lying the whole time. He's really a good person deep down inside. We want, we love those redemption arcs. We love that. Now I will say my third point, if I, I, because I'm being sort of nitpicky, um, and that's because I love the movie. I love the movie. I'm going to die loving this movie. But something that did kind of irk me a little bit about this is that I love the ending and I know that they set it up, but part of me kind of thinks that. Luke turning off his target and just using the force is slightly a cop out in a way. No, 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 no. Okay. Again, I know that they set it up that he, he has a little mini lesson with Obi-Wan and Obi-Wan keeps telling him that you got to succumb to the force or got to use the force or I get that. I understand it. I'm all for it. And ultimately it doesn't even really hurt this film. It doesn't like it's still great and it's cathartic, right? And it's emotional. Mm -hmm. Movies need to have like a leap of faith moment, right? Some do, where the main character has to do something that's maybe a little unorthodox or maybe not mm-hmm. the best way to tackle it, but they're taking a leap of faith. And that's what Luke is doing. He's taking a leap of faith into this new life. Trusting in the force. Yes. So that's why the movie, that's why it's not bad. But it does feel slightly deus ex machina, where God's coming in and sort of like just fixing the problem a little bit. And I was like... I think the problem with that is that in future films, they could go back and do that, which they have done. The Force is just this thing that you could just do what you need to do. Now, sometimes it's cool. Sometimes it's not. Last Jedi, I think it's cool. Rise of Skywalker, not so much. Rise of Skywalker, Ben transfers his life force to Rey and she's able to live, but he dies. In Last Jedi, Luke manifests a a vision of himself on the planet pretending to fight Ben but it's just a vision. And I like the last Jedi one. I don't like it in Rise of Skywalker, but it's just one of those things where I'm like, how many times are we going to use the force to get out of problems? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, I don't know. It was just something that I didn't notice that I was like, huh, I don't know. I'm just not always cool with the force coming in and, oh, just use the force. Just the force will fix it. The force is not a problem. The force will help you. And I'm just like, and this was, this was a moment where I was rewatching this movie. I was like, oh, okay. So it's been there since day one. Okay. Oh yeah. Not a bad thing. Been there. Not, not a bad thing. I don't. I don't think it's a a bad thing. I but I think what um the point of that all is is like it's supposed to be a hopeful movie, thematic, 
moment that even when there it seems impossible and hope is all you have hope is your weapon you know it's Mm -hmm. he's not like the guy before him used a targeting computer Mm -hmm. and the the odds of this happening at all are very slim like Mm -hmm. you have to the, the hole to get the the torpedoes in is two meters wide and the torpedoes have to like shift 90 degrees or something and go down this like this tube to hit the thermal reactor when they show it in the computer graphic pilots are looking around they're like what the fuck how are you gonna do this <laughs> and luke not knowing anything about this the star the weapons that he's using and the defense systems of the death star he's just kind of stupid but he's very hopeful mm-hmm. and that is what you need when situations are very dire like you need to be hopeful and just give it your all, I guess. Trust in the force that that you can overcome these impossible obstacles or die trying, I guess. And, and that's why, and again, it's not a bad thing. I don't think it hurts the film um, because, yes, it's a leap of faith. It's something that it's like being hopeful, right? And even until the very end, Leia is hopeful. You could see from her expression that she's hopeful that Luke can pull through, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and Star Wars is kind of basic in terms of like the good and the bad like you have the light side and the dark side like it's not trying to be morally ambiguous right like it's not this is a straightforward good guys versus bad guys story so it's not it's not a bad thing but what i will say is that like sometimes what other science fiction properties have like star trek and like doctor who are like the the main characters will solve problems and uh, they'll solve them in really interesting or really genius ways or it's something that they've been planning for and they'll get lucky. Don't get me wrong. Like there are moments where the doctor and Picard and them get lucky. Like it's like, Oh, thank God that happened. But there is just something nice about, you know, having something that feels a little bit more like they, they like outsmarted some, yeah, a little bit more earned. It was kind of the, what I was thinking about was like that Hermione thing from Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, <sighs> where it's like, sometimes <laughs> you just, you need to get out of jail free card. And I think, Star Wars's get out of jail free card is the the force. force. Like, hey, you need to jump really high. Use the force. You need to heal someone from a a a deadly wound. Use the force. You need to mind control someone. Use the force. It's like, and I get it. Like the force is this really cool and ambiguous thing, but it just seems like okay. Like, what can't it do? Yes, thank you. That's all I want to know. Just what can't it do? You know, Mm -hmm. and. I mean, Star Wars has been pretty good about that at some points. Like, you'll have characters like Obi-Wan who will out outfight someone, you know? Or, like, Anakin, who will use his skills uh, as a pilot to, like, outmaneuver someone. So, it, it's still there. Yeah. There is just something nice when you have something that feels a bit more set up, a bit more like, oh, they outsmarted this guy. Or they outskilled them instead of, well, you know, they just used the Force. And it's just something uh. that... It's one it's one thing that maybe hasn't aged well, but not because of this film, but because of the nine other films that we have, you know, and the other games and all this lore that's just so much to it. And, and, you know, Star Wars has a lot of baggage, good and bad. So that was just something that I, I was watching the film I was like, huh, OK, interesting. Not a bad maybe thing. If you focus too hard on that, it kind of the whole thing kind of falls apart. This is like why... Why does the the ship fly over Tatooine with the only remaining Jedi, you know, with this kid who's the son of this great Jedi who has this connection with the Force? It's like very coinc- coincidental. Mm-hmm. 
And it's um, the um, it, you know, and it's like the Spider-Man thing we were talking about. You have to suspend your disbelief. Like, yeah, the Toby, the Peter Parker and Norman Osborn both get their powers on the same night. Yes, they did. You just got to roll the, with the it. spider. Like instead of killing him, it gives him powers. Exactly. It makes him stronger. Instead of this green smoke killing Norman. And it, it all works like within within hours of him getting bitten. His DNA is being compl- is being rewritten. <laughs> and it he's fine the next day. <laughs> but you know, it's it's again, it's it's suspension it's something, of disbelief. Yeah, you just kinda have to like it's fine. It's whatever. Yeah, yeah. It's it's like, again, it's it's not a bad thing, but it is something that revisiting this movie after forty five years of Star Wars, you know, of movies comics games you know conventions and stuff it's one of those things where it's like okay so it's not just star wars and you hope anymore it's star wars the entirety of it and i'm having trouble trying to separate the things because that that's really what this whole viewing of this movie kind of taught me is that i can't separate star wars at this point i can't just view this as its own thing because in the back of my head i'm thinking about what george lucas has done i'm thinking about the lore you know how does how does Obi Wan not recognize R two D two and stuff like that? You I know? I feel like you should just try not to, because you if you get into your own head about it too much, you kind of ruin the experience. Which is it is easy to do because there's so many movies and there's so many like as soon as you finish watching Star Wars: A New Hope, it's like, hey, do you want to watch this? Hey, do you want to watch uh Rogue Rogue One? Yeah, the events that happened right before this movie. Well, and that's another thing too. It's you know what was meant to be just. It's an exhaust valve, like it's an exhaust thing, you know, on this Death Star. It's just a hole, but it's such a big thing that it's just something that nobody thought was going to be used as a weapon. Turns out that there's a whole piece of lore to that, that the guy who designed the Death Star actually had beef with them. So he designed it. It's like, and I get I get what you're saying. You, you have to try to separate the things, but going back, and that's why we do this, going back and seeing, can I do that on my end? I can't do that. I can't separate it as well. And it kind of hurts the viewing a little bit. Slightly. I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm not, again, this is still an A-plus movie. Or it's an A movie. We're not grading it, the movie. I know we? we're not. I No, 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 no. <laughs> we're not. I'm just, I'm using it for my own thing. Like, okay. to let people know. Because people are like, he's shitting on the movie. He doesn't like it. No. It, it just went from an A-plus to an A. You know, if, if a plus gets you really worked up, then I don't know. You probably went to Harvard or uh, something. I don't believe in the... The fucking pluses I know and it's just a way stuff. to let you know, just to articulate, so people have at least some idea as to what I'm talking about. Because mm-hmm. yes, I don't agree with the letters either. It's a piece of art, but in order I mean, for people- like like the the modifiers on the letters, like this is an A, but it's not a, an A. It's an A minus. Yeah, it's it's not an a-, a plus. Like just give it a B then. Exactly. Let's move it's, on. <laughs> it's not the best thing, but it's just to convey to people that my viewing of this has has very much changed because when i was a kid watching it i was just watching star wars but mm-hmm. now it's a whole bigger thing which i mean for better and, and worse for better yes exactly for better and worse i love star wars and i love mandalorian i love all these new shows that are coming out and i'm excited for obi-wan but 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 you know when i when i watch obi-wan the show right and i go back and rewatch a new hope in the future it's going to affect my viewing of it. Yes, because uh, it's all a part of the same universe. So, but you know, it's it's a tricky thing because they're we're kind of taught because of Marvel that all these things are interconnected and they all relate to each other. And it's like, yeah, but also that kind of makes this one not as good 
Like, I remember after watching Rogue One, I was like, oh, that was cool. And then I talked to my siblings about it, and they're like, the ending was stupid. I'm like, wait, what? Why is it stupid? I'm like, because it makes Darth Vader look dumb. And I'm like, thinking about it, I'm like, yeah, kind of. Because <laughs> he's like chasing around this like hard disk, and he kind of like lets it escape, and then they lets it escape again. And then there's that pod that the, they clearly see. Oh, there's another escape pod. Oh, don't shoot it because there's no life forms on board. And you have to believe that they, that this guy put a, an intentional defect in the Death Star so that the rebels could find a way to blow it up. Yeah, it's again what was what were little simple things that you could just get away with have now become yeah. huge details because of the way media has changed, movies have changed. People want those interconnected. You're trying to make sense of something that was that didn't need to be made sense of. You could just kind of accept it as like, oh, the the Imperials, they're just very arrogant. They're always trying to one up each other. They're not really thinking about the grand scheme of things. They're thinking about how they how to make themselves look better than their peers. Yeah. And when you do that, like you you oversee or you neglect certain things that are actually important. And that that's fine. But when you go back and try to make sense of everything, it's not going to make sense. And it's just going to it's going to be like, why? Why are you doing this? Every every ship, every plane has like an Achilles heel or just something that maybe isn't up to code or something. You know, it's just because that's just the way things are. Nothing's perfect. And to think that, well, this could the Death Star could have been perfect. But it was because this one guy was secretly a good guy and he left that hole open. It's like, it's a, the Death Star, they call it a moon. They confuse it for a moon. It's mm-hmm. huge. And the hole's what, two meters? Come on. Even, even if I was part of the Empire, I would say, we're fine. Like, we're good. We don't need to. How many turrets are in front of this hole? And like The thing a, is, they also have enough sense to, they mention it. They say it's ray shielded. So you can't use your lasers to shoot through it. So they know we got to protect this, but we'll yeah. let torpedoes go through. That's fine. We're not going to put like a grate over it or anything. <laughs> just going to let ego, it be open. What you said, their ego, it gets in the way, which of course, the Empire is some of the baddest motherfuckers around. They own everything. So their I solution mean, is to throw numbers and lasers at everything. Yeah. Rogue, Rogue One does continue that legacy of uh, people constantly meddling with the creative process. Because that entire end sequence was done from a different director because the studio did not like the direction that Gareth Edwards took. Mm-hmm. It's it, We can never get away from it. It's just something that's interlinked with Star Wars. That the creative process is going to be like redone over and over and over again until it doesn't resemble what it once was. Yeah, and I mean, on one hand, I can't blame Disney because this is a huge thing. A huge huge thing but on the other hand i'm like you know you you know if you go too far from the roots of what made star wars star wars and you know that indie feeling that the first one had you know at this point you're just referencing star wars you're not doing anything cool but you know i mean that's a whole other discussion right what what should star wars do and where should it go because god i I i think it's fine if it goes in different directions I think it's, it's when it like tries to tie to this this uh, Skywalker legacy and make everything fit in there. And that's when it, it like gets a little frustrating as a fan. Mm-hmm. Like like with Solo, like I think Solo is fine, mm-hmm. but I don't think that the entertainment I get from that movie was intentional. You know what I mean? Like I'm laughing at stuff that I'm not supposed to laugh at. 
I think I think some stuff in that movie is so dumb that it's funny. Mm-hmm. That you have to explain every single thing. That everything that we know about Han Solo must be explained in this prequel movie. It's, it's so dumb that I think it's funny. And then the the studio blames Alden Ehrenreich because oh we we learned that we can't cast uh, new new actors to play legacy characters. I'm like that's that's the lesson you learned from Solo. That's not the lesson. You missed the point. You didn't go to class. You know. <laughs> no, you know what? I a hundred percent agree with you. I enjoyed Solo. I enjoyed it quite a bit. I don't think it's amazing, but I do enjoy it. But it does bother me when they're like, "Where did Han get his vest? Where did Han get his gun?" How did Han get his name? You know, Solo? It's like they, they feel the need Boy. to explain every single thing. <laughs> every single thing has to be. The only thing I, I would have liked to have seen is just how he met Chewie, which is which we got. Everything else is like, you know, he got a gun because he stole it from someone. There was a dead body and he took it and he likes it, right? He got a vest because people like to change their clothing. I don't I don't wear the same goddamn clothes every single day. So I it does bug me how people do that. And when I read that report, because it just came out a few days ago. That yeah. Kathleen Kennedy said that this is the lesson that you can't cast younger people to play fan favorites. I was like, that's not the point. That's not the lesson. You missed the important points by a mile. It wasn't yeah. Ald- It wasn't Alden's fault. Aldrin or Alden? Alden. Alden Ehrenreich. It wasn't his fault. That he did movie- a good job. He did a great job. Look, man, I don't want anyone playing Han Solo outside of Harrison Ford. But gun to my head, someone had to do it. This guy did a good job. I never watched that movie and was like, that's the problem with this movie. It's the actors. It's not Donald Glover playing Lando. It's not Aldrin Payne playing Han Solo. It's the other stuff that you're doing. You feel the need to explain every single fucking thing. And the, the uh, I feel like the tone that was in initially was a lot lighter and a lot goofier, which is fine. I think you can have Star Wars is like this massive world where you can tell all kinds of different stories. You know, and I, I think that that's fine. I think I want them to tell different kinds of stories. That's what I liked about The Mandalorian. It leaned into the Western way more than Star Wars did. Like Star Wars does have some Kurosawa roots and Kurosawa influenced Westerns like Sergio Leone. But Mandalorian leaned into that even more. It was mm-hmm. so different from the rest of Star Wars. And I, mm-hmm. I think that's why I liked it so much. And that's why I liked uh, some of the like the the last jedi because it, it kind of took star wars in a different direction i'm like i'm liking what i'm seeing here like there's something familiar here but it's it's different mm-hmm. i like it 100 percent. and man talk about like solo and shoehorning in a bunch of stuff shoehorning darth maw at the end yep jesus christ <laughs> what it's that, like so I, I thought that was lead- funny because you have to have a lightsaber in the movie how are we gonna get it uh, Darth Maul's gonna light light it up in a Skype call. <laughs> what? That is, and I'm like, that's that's the lesson you learned. That Alden was was the one who ruined the film. I'm like, okay, now you're concerning me again, Kathleen, because you're because, and you know what? They're lining up a bunch of Star Wars shows, a bunch. You've got a mm-hmm. film by Taika Waititi. You've got a TV show from the guy who did Spider Man. You've got Rosario Dawson playing Ahsoka Tano. Ahsoka Tano. You've got Obi-Wan. Diego Luna coming back to play his character from Rogue One. Jesus fucking Christ. You've got the Ryan Johnson trilogy that's on hold. And then you've got... the They're talking with Bryce Dallas Howard about having her own thing. And then you're talking about uh, Patty Jenkins' solo film. It's like, what the... F- I don't think you learned the lesson. 
I don't, I think, because I, I think this just gives you a bunch of excuses to just tie everything in together. Well, now we need Ahsoka Tano to lean into this Rogue Squadron thing that needs to do this, it needs to do that. And it's just like, I just, I just want, I just want a simple story where, and, and Solo had that, but it felt the need to have to explain everything about Han Solo. <sighs> I just, again, this is what irritates me. It's, there's When there's money to be made, they're going to gouge our eyes out. And make make sure they get every little dollar that they could get out of us. And and look, Marvel to a certain extent is doing the exact same thing. But Marvel Marvel is making sure we we putting out some quality. We're not putting out Dark World stuff anymore. We're not putting out Iron Man two stuff. You well, know? I, I don't think that there's an attachment to those characters from their like roots. Like there's an attachment we have to these characters because they are characters invented from the seventies, and we saw them when we were kids. So then seeing them do act, you know, as if time has passed, it bothers us or some of us, I should say, mm-hmm. whereas these Marvel characters, a lot of them, we only understand from these movies, you know, they, they kind of deviate from the comics quite a bit sometimes. And I think people are more OK with that than they are with deviating from movies that we saw already. Does that make sense? No, no, no. It, you know what? I didn't think about it that way, but that's a really good point. That's a very good point. We, I mean, yeah, there is that personal attachment that I have to Luke and Leia and Han. So when you do see them, like, yeah, it, it does it does throw you off slightly. Actually, that does explain the reaction to the ending of season two of The Mandalorian, where we get to see Luke. And no, he, he's playing it. They do try to digitally recreate him from Return of the Jedi because we can't have a new actor playing this guy. And honestly, I would have been fine if they just had Mark Hamill do it with a beard. Like, I would have been fine with that. I would have loved that. Because at least that guy would have had a soul. <laughs> I didn't I don't this I don't dislike the, the, the Luke in the season two Mandalorian. It 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 doesn't because honestly the, the thing about that is that for me, it's not about Luke. Luke is nice fluff, but what makes that scene for me great is Grogu and Mando. They're the heart of the show. Oh, the yeah. show has spent episodes. We've spent hours with these two. What I was talking about, it's that journey. It's the group. Granted, this is a group of two. Yeah. But we follow them. And when they get separated, yeah. it hurts you and it sucks. And this is this is them saying goodbye to each other. Because we don't know if they're coming back. We didn't know. We didn't know where the Mandalorian was going afterwards. Nobody could say for certain if Grogu was in or out. They're like, we're going to see him. Yeah, because they're original characters. That they're, Exactly. That's what we was can so tell. Great. So many cool stories with these original characters because that's what we had before. We had original characters. Yeah, man. At the end of season two, I'm like, I don't know if I'm ever going to see Grogu again. <laughs> I mean, he's too cute to. I'm sure, like, oh, the Grogu show or something. But I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to see Mando and Grogu. You know, and that's what was. That's what made that scene so great. It wasn't seeing Luke. Yeah, it was cool, but that's not where I was tearing up about. I was tearing up because the music was swelling up and motherfucking Mando took off his helmet for a second mm-hmm. time in front of people. He, the first time he did it to rescue, the, the first time he did it to find out where, or to to help them so he could get help to save Grogu. And the second time was for Grogu. The times that this man has taken off his helmet in front of people have been for Grogu. And he did it because this kid wants to see his face. That, I get teary-eyed just thinking about it right now. Luke has nothing to do with it. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, and that's the problem. Solo didn't have that. Or I don't know if these other new shows are going to. I Well, they will. hopefully they will be about original characters. We're not like 
Because I think you could do really cool things with the legacy characters. You could. But Mm. I think there's a a fear of like, well, we can't do too much. Otherwise, people, the fans will get upset. Like, oh, Luke would never do that. Leia would never do that. But like in maybe in this story, they did. That's like nothing's going to change. Well, I can't really say that because they did change the trilogy. (laughs) The re-releases. But like nothing's going to change the way we felt about those movies. Mm Mm-hmm. I guess you're a different story because well, I mean, I, I well, the, I mean, I'm yes and no because it has changed my viewing of it. Granted, I still love it. Like I'm, I still yeah. love this. I, I have no, you know, I still generally love it. But it is one of the things where I'm, I'm seeing the 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 those mittens of Mickey grabbing <laughs> hold of it a little bit more. Yeah. <laughs> the mittens of Mickey. Ah, <laughs> uh, that's the new Star Wars. That's the <laughs> yeah, you know, and I could see the Mickey. hold a little bit more, and I could see the machine behind Star Wars. Yeah, and I mean the machine was always there. Don't get me wrong, but it was strong. The illusion was strong, but now I'm seeing it more and more. And there is that concerning aspect where we've got like five different shows and ten different movies planned or whatever, and I'm just like, okay, so this is this is never going to end. And I don't want it to end, but I just you know, I do wish we would get like a new Star Wars. Yeah, like, like I just something that's not tied to you know something that's the intellectual property of like a person who's inspired by star wars who like was like i i want to make my own star wars i want to make this new thing yeah and then they get to do it and then it blows up or it gets all these fans excited it makes people hopeful about stuff instead of like making more star wars which i do like but it, it does I'm conflicted about it, you know? Well, I've always I've always said this. I think Star Wars is like the perfect like playground because it's mm-hmm. equal parts science fiction and equal parts fantasy, right? How does the Force work? I don't know. And you could use the Force as a getaway, get out of Joe cart and people will buy it and it works. But you also have like the science fiction aspect of it, right? You have systems, solar systems, you've got empires, you know, you got all that stuff. So the playing field is the playground is open for you to do anything. I mean, look, even I mentioned it earlier, the beginning line of this movie a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. It's anachronistic. It's the history, but everything is high tech. It's out of place in time. So you could do anything. You have people that could communicate with robots and aliens. There are millions of languages out there. You could do like an arrival version of this movie of Star Wars. You, you know, arrival, right? With Denis mm-hmm. Villeneuve where aliens come in and they're just trying to figure out how to communicate with each other. You could do that. Mandalorian sort of did that. You could do anything, anything you want. The chosen one. You could do a a revolutionary war. You could do a love story. You could do a horror film. There's enough material there. We keep Mm -hmm. going to the same old thing. Empire, the bad guys. And we got to blow a ship up. We (laughs) got to blow a Death Star or a Death Star 2 or a Starkiller base. Those are those are those are the only things that we could do. Is that it? You know, do do a movie about Jedi's alone or do a movie about smugglers, but just, you know, do your own thing. Doesn't all yeah. have to be the exact same thing, which is Skywalker mm-hmm. and then the Clone Wars and Ahsoka Tano and Obi-Wan and Rogue I think Squadron. You could and- tell pretty interesting stories with those characters. You it's could. just the I I think you have to just let loose a little bit you know just let the the creators create you know and maybe help them realize their vision in the best way mm-hmm. so i think that's what they did for for lucas like in his original trilogy you know as far as like we'll get into that later because 
I, I think there is a, a creative spirit to Star Wars that it kind of loses it when you get mixed up with like corporate interests and market testing and, and all this stuff to like, let's make this movie make the most money possible. Yeah. I think you kind of compromise the, the creative vision and it's unfortunate, but it is kind of the nature of like these franchises. I do like how Doctor Strange kind of deviated from that. It makes me hopeful. Um, and I, I do hope that these franchises will take note of that and be like, okay, it's, it's cool to be a little different. Our other movies don't have to have the same tone and protect the legacy of these characters so that we never let them do anything fun. You know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm more hopeful of, of these movies. I see the, the lineup and I'm excited. I'm cautious um just because again bro force awakens was disappointing the first time i watched it it was disappointing the first time i watched it too but somebody said to me i think may who's in our discord huge supporter of the podcast uh, she said to me that what she liked about the star wars movie the force awakens was that the characters that you see in those movies are star wars fans so that it's like it's like we're in those movies does that make sense no it, it that makes like sense. all the the stories and stuff there have become stuff of legend for them. And it's it's a cool way to see that movie, I think. Yeah. It makes it a lot more enjoyable. Yeah, it, it, that's a good point. It's, you know, look, I I try to I just try to be cautious now. I mean, cuz the thing is, you know, and this is a this goes to a bigger point of just fandoms in general and people getting hyped and excited cuz more often than not when I've gotten excited about things in, in recent years, it has turned out to be ass. Cyberpunk 2077, Battlefield 2042, Star Wars Force Awakens, Rise of Skywalker. These things have let me down continuously. And I'm like, you know what? If you expect disappointment, then you won't get disappointed. Is that the quote from Mary Jane? And I know that's not the real lesson uh, of the movie. Mary but Mary Jane. Like, huh? It's MJ. Oh, MJ. Her name yeah. isn't Mary Jane in that movie. That's right. Well, actually, it's not Mary Jane. Yeah, I'm you're just right. letting you know. Yeah, I'm you are you know. right. I don't, you, you are. I don't want you to be wrong. It, you are right. You are correct. It is uh, Michelle. Michelle J. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I know that's not the real lesson of No Way Home. I get it. But it's just like, you know what? Sometimes it's just good to be cautiously optimistic. And hey, if one of these films or one of these shows turns out to be incredible, great. I can enjoy it then. I'm sure one of them will be. I'm sure the Ryan Johnson trilogy will be amazing. If that ever gets put back on. If it ever gets made. Yeah. because Fingers that, crossed. That dude. I'll, I'll trust paid, in the force. Netflix paid $400 million for knives out two and three so he's gonna be working on that for a few years <laughs> <laughs> we love star wars we've mentioned it in most almost on every episode we had to talk about it and it's a big anniversary 45th right 45 years ago people lost their goddamn minds we'll um, get into that we'll get into the reception and like the stuff that happened right afterwards but i'm gonna be focusing on the early drafts of of the movie and I guess we already covered the the changes, but maybe we'll touch up on that. No, I'm excited to t- to go into it because the making of this movie is crazy. I don't. You're gonna be focusing on the production part. Hold on. Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna be focusing on the production part and kind of what went wrong, what what was going on, you know, like in the making of this. How did they make it? Because the budget was not big, and this movie got shut down by a bunch of other studios. Like the movie, the way this movie got greenlit is a story on itself. You know Which how is they why did... we're making a new episode for it. Exactly. This is it's literally. You know how they made a TV show out of The Godfather, focusing on the making of it. You could easily do that with Star Wars. There's already a book for it too. Exactly. So, 
lot to talk about. So, Kurt Russell was almost Han Solo. Ooh, I kind of like that. I mean, yeah, there's the screen test of it too. Ooh, shit. There's a lot to talk about then. <laughs> a lot to talk about. But we don't want to keep you any longer, assuming you've made it to the end of the episode. We're very <laughs> grateful to you, listeners out there, or listener if there's just one of you. Love you. <laughs> you can find us on social media at retrograde underscore pod, retrograde underscore pod. Uh, also on Twitter at retrograde underscore pod. Uh, we're on Facebook, retrograde podcast, three words. And we have a Discord. And we love to talk about movies and games and just DM us on Twitter or Instagram and we'll send you a link. Come hang out. Not on our Discord. Just send us a DM. All right. We'll see you in one week.